Hey dudes, welcome to ah. Poor Nerds, episode 33. Can we kill him already? <laughs> uh, why, why don't you like cousin skin? Are we just gonna? Is it a mercy? Are we just gonna violently murder uh, birds' voices one by one? <laughs> sure. Until he runs out. We eventually hit the normal one, and we just take that one out too. And he has to just change forever. Me, 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 me. <laughs> oh no! No 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 no! He becomes what cousin Beaker or whatever. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> cousin oh, no. Beaker. Is, I don't know. That's. Oh, <laughs> you hit me right in the child. Why is it called Cousin Beaker? Why, did, why does that come to mind? Because Let's I just see. said Cousin well, Skip. Cousin Skip oh. comboed Cous- with yeah. Beaker. Yeah. I feel like maybe it was from one of the specific like scenario movies where everyone's a stand-in for some other member of a play that they're doing a movie on. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like Christmas Story, the number one the number one Muppets thing I'm exposed to. <laughs> I was just <laughs> watching The Christmas Carol over and over again growing up. Mm. Yep. Alrighty, so... Anybody got any topics they want to talk about? We I were mean, doing a do fun we little wanna... pre-show. I got where one we're last talking about fuck you from Andromeda. Likes. <laughs> okay. Oh, let's... boy. We'll hear oh. that one. So I reached yeah, the cause... finale of the entire game. Uh, and the the big... My penultimate episode is the real finale climax of the episode. And the last one is like a feature-length farewell of talking to people. So my penultimate uh-huh. episode is like the real finale thing. And like... It can't be watched on anything besides a PC browser because they featured a song at some point. I'm like, God. Uh, oh, no. what kind of song? series dies hard. <laughs> it's probably some I don't pop even know. song that's like, I love the no, stars. No, it wasn't even a standout thing. It must have been <laughs> some dumb background thing used in a cutscene somewhere that was licensed ah. from something. And I'm like, I, ah. I can't even be bothered to fix it. Just people are going to have to watch it on a computer. <laughs> wonder sometimes oh, iPad if, users. <laughs> if games ever like license or have like the right to use a specific song mm-hmm. and it for all intents and purposes was exclusive to that but somehow that song was sold to someone else in the interim and then there's copyright issues uh, so yeah, that's when basically they, the copyright nightmare scenario you're outlining. <laughs> well, generally, mm-hmm. when you license something to a game, you're not licensing it to all the YouTubers that will do cover stuff for the game. So, like that, always yeah. becomes a conflict, regardless. But there's but also the, an additional used issue. In a commercial, I've seen that too. If a, if it's where... licensed, you can yeah. license the thing to multiple things. That's fine. When you mm-hmm. license something, you're not saying you own the song. You're saying you're licensing it, as in like you're letting them use it in their thing mm-hmm. for whatever whatever sort of payback they is agreed upon or whatever the hell be it like a percentage or a one time or whatever the policy is i don't know what's normal there but like you're the licensing is not ownership people for having quote unquote their song when it really isn't their song well that's yeah, just the that that's just a thing uh-huh. <laughs> like vanilla <That's> ice just... <laughs> hmm? are we talking about like vanilla ice straight up using like queen and stuff like that no, no, being like it's da, da, like da, 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 da. and stuff like that. Ah. Then you have, you also have issues where like a game will a game or something will license music and then the music license goes away. Yeah, because they didn't yeah. negotiate it for perpetuity yeah, or whatever. So then Alan annoying. Wake disappears forever. Yep, <laughs> yeah, yep. Alan Wake is gone. Like this love letter, this love letter to Stephen King games from a company that's only made one game since, which was mm. Quantum uh, Break or Theory or whatever. That's it. Their game's gone forever. No one can buy Alan Wake now. <laughs> oh. It was on At sale for a dollar, so everyone had a chance to buy it last second for mm-hmm. Yep. Because uh Steam will still keep it on the servers as a thing you could re download, but you can't sell it ever again. 
licensing sucks for video games sometimes. Like uh, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 uh, mm-hmm. had, uh, had all these different DLC packs, but the DLC packs weren't licensed for long term. So like when it was around the time Disney was repurchasing, was purchasing Marvel and stuff like that, like all the uh, DLC right. for Marvel right. Ultimate Alliance 2 just started disappearing piece by piece. And those characters That's right, because it was forever. the different heroes. They weren't able to. And it's infuriating get the because they sh- for, the mm-hmm. the character select screen is uh, the entire. It's like everyone's standing st- standing back to back with like for like a class photo. Uh-huh. Like so, like you can see the black silhouettes of all the characters you can't buy. <laughs> they're both not in the game, but they're also already black silhouettes, even though they're DLC, which is already scummy. But also, the DLC isn't available ever again. <laughs> mm. I also own like a few hundred rock band songs you can't buy now. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. there, like those eventually started dying out, especially since like Rock Band, uh, at one point, quote unquote, like died. At one point, at with yeah. the death of the 360 and everything, they're like, "That's the end of our franchise. We're, we make dancing games now." But then <laughs> uh, the Xbox One didn't just stop shipping with the Connect, and the Connect basically died. Like, ah, uh, we don't make dancing games anymore. <laughs> they, started making, they started making Rock Band Four. Well, you might find fitting those. Their last song ever released was uh, "American Pie." The day that music died. Oh. Like, you know, they had that in their back pocket for their <laughs> finale song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me wonder how many games are out there that were only ever released on disc that have never been billions. Anything before um, tons. Steam. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, there are a couple I found of out that, like, a significant well, part of the early 360 and PS3 games. What? What happened to those? Stuff being disc only. Oh yeah, yeah. Dig- digital wasn't normal at the beginning of that console generation. Like the right. Xbox, like there was the Xbox 360 Pro and the Xbox 360 mm-hmm. Arcade, and the arcade model <laughs> that was meant for downloading games only and only really just for downloading the arcade games. It had something like a 50 megabyte hard drive or something, because <laughs> hmm. they only planned on releasing arcade games that were like Atari, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that quick yep. like that, like when they put uh, Symphony of the Nile in there, they had to remove all the cutscenes. You want to know something kind of funny that I learned the other day? Westwood Studios, the people that made Commander and Conquer and Dune and uh, all those good games from back in the day, also made a series of, like, point-and-click adventure games. (laughs) They're awful. (laughs) They're called The Legend of Kyrandia. I mean, well, they're they're good, (laughs) but point-and-clicker adventure games are, like, bad. Like, just by kind of definition... Um, click adventure games? Yeah. It varies. Well, what about there like Machinaria and stuff? Yeah, Machinarium is great. Machinarium. Uh, Machinarium. I haven't played that one yet. Botanicula. It's amazing. Uh, Rost. Mm. Those are all the same company, actually. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Dead uh, Synchronicity. Yeah. There's some really cool stuff out there. Primordia. Uh, Shard Light. I've yep. <laughs> never heard there's of a, any of these there's titles. There's a lot of modern There's, there's entire companies that just make that these now. Yeah. Huh. And they have That's like high quality pixel art. You know, they died like pretty hardcore. No, I guess they might have found a renaissance or something. Yeah, Wajidai more or less lives off of these. Uh, Maybe. The thing is like, point and click genre died. Yeah, the moment... around the PS2 era. Yeah, it died then, and then with the indie revival, there have actually been a lot more uh, lately. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's actually Gemini kind Rue, of cool. the Blackwell series. Yeah, I, I mean, no Babylon. Babylon. I've never heard of any of these. 
Everyone always tells yeah, me they're... to play one this one particular one I can't remember the name of ever. I thought they were I thought they were still dead, but I guess they yeah. had a uh, resurrection. <laughs> yeah, point and click games are fun because you you have a minimalist 2D perspective usually and you can usually mm-hmm. like come up with a really crazy universe for your game to take place in. Mm-hmm. Like and sh- you can like have really, sh- a lot of nice 2D assets and stuff too. Yeah, like shard like shard light would like was like this carefully constructed post post apocalyptic society with multiple warring factions, almost like a Fallout scenario, and it was all mm-hmm. set up for a point and click that actually had like decisions built into it, and but also usual the usual the usual structure of like find items and figure out where you can solve puzzles with them and stuff like that. I think hmm. that Primordia, new, um... there's one. Yeah, Primordia. I I said that earlier. Um, I isn't that like new kind of cyberpunky game that we saw at E three that was like pixel art but with three D included? That's uh, I can't tell what that is still. Yeah, I can't tell yeah, what I that is, what but that it looks like is. it might be it might be point and click. Uh, we so can look, look at the art for Tormentum Dark Sorrow. Yeah, ooh, Tormentum is nuts. Tormentum looks <laughs> insane. I'll post a link in the in our Discord real quick. All yeah, right, let me look at this. Point and clicks are a thing still yet yeah, they thrive Whoa, mainly only on the badass. indie market <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have a lot of point and clicks on my to-do list now ever since i made a dedicated puzzle game slot yeah so i've got a i've got a big old spreadsheet of future possible ones to play well i guess you had a uh, response ready that i did, was not prepared for <laughs> so good for you uh kufa manga good we all learn you. things here this is an educational podcast. Yes, an educational thing yeah. about stuff that doesn't matter. Yes, that's <laughs> why we a need a very to, specific number of people. Have, have you been all working on your um, your British accents and your video game no. lore? Oh, nope. Wait, what? Well, that's a shame. I'm oh. making an allusion to it. Shut up, dog. I'm making an allusion to um, the body video. Dog. Oh, yeah. oh there was some dog at my outside of my apartment that was like. Going like bow wow and um, bark <laughs> and others. <laughs> That's like the least enthusiastic dog impersonation wow, I could have come wow. up with. Arf, arf. <laughs> How weird would it be if you like dog. walked outside and there was just a big dog and it's like bark? It just says <laughs> just... bark at you and you're like, <laughs> I would, I would love that dog forever. An onomatopoeia dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, not to derail too far off the beaten path but here we as go as if we had a topic <laughs> so uh, <yeah>. far <laughs> i don't I'm, I'm getting... are bullshit i have you ever heard a bird go chirp no bird no. can even make a pee sound okay nothing they don't destroys automatopoeia harder than hearing another country's automatopoeia and you like, literally uh, can't put it together i uh, don't have any i don't remember any off the top of my head but i do really go to is about. japanese like japanese will just like They'll there's they have a they have a trope where like a a voice will just yell automatopoeia out during stuff, huh. and like it, you 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 just can't you can't put together what like because it's in a different language you can't even put together the connection between like the sound they're making and the sound it's supposed to be illustrating. Oh, see, oh, interesting. They, they say they they say things like taka taka like I, I'm trying uh, to remember. Doki doki, you make my heart beat. <laughs> <laughs> what is doki doki? It's the heartbeat sound. No, it yeah. isn't. You make my it heart go like, like doki doki. <laughs> my heart has never gone doki doki doki. And there's, oh, the, there's, there's some this weird. There's a Japanese commercial where like they they're in like a, a house floating like the up house with balloons and stuff, and the dog turns around and spins his tail, 
to uh, propeller the house away. And he's like, go, 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 go. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Haven't you ever heard a oh, dog go, 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 Yeah. That's probably the, like, the... That's, a, that's, what, that's what a propeller sounds like. It's go, 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 go. Sounds like E-Honda. <laughs> I looked up Doki Doki, and the fifth result is a fan art of Aaron from Game Grumps um, feeling an anime girl up. I'm going to go ahead Panic. and close this. That's a game called Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, yeah. Super Mario Bros. 2. There's also a much less perverted game called Doki Doki Universe, which is a game about teaching a robot to love. Doki Doki <laughs> Panic is... Wait, what? Uh, also, I... <laughs> Doki Doki Panic is Super Mario Bros. 2. What are you talking about? Oh, is it? Whoops. Yeah. Wait, I mixed, so I mixed, there's a lot Doki of things Pond? called... There's, there's a lot of Doki Doki things. Probably, yeah. Because it's onomatopoeia. <laughs> true, true. But in Doki Doki Universe, you play a robot trying to learn how to be humans. And it's adorable. <laughs> really All adorable. Right. Anyway, so let's try to get back onto a topic, I guess. Momentum. My, my bad on uh, wanting to rant about Automatopoeia, which ended up um, not actually going <laughs> After anywhere. wanting to rant so. about how bad adventure <laughs> games <So>. are. <laughs> so can we... Um... <laughs> Can we talk about Fortnite a bit? I know you guys yeah. really didn't get Let's too much it. of a chance. Yeah, I played um, about 10 minutes of it. Or yeah, two hours of it. an hour, 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, I got the gist of it. We got enough for like two episodes for me. But um, mm-hmm. I I actually really like that game. I was kind of going into it with uh, iffy expectations because they mm-hmm. had like the durability system on guns. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, but... but very inconsequential yeah as far as i've run into and i've played a fair bit more than you guys just because i was kind of well my audience is like stream it and i'm like but nobody's around and they're like stream it anyway and i'm like okay yeah um, I, I was looking at the top corner of your stream and i'm like how is he's in double digits already i'm so confused <laughs> yeah he's like I'm about 15 yeah i i actually i have no idea how the level system works in the game so uh Fortnite is the deepest RPG mechanics I've ever seen applied to a sandbox-based defense yeah. game, which is like, it, the two things together are almost impossible for me to, like, understand, because it's so, like, so deep, like, trees and levels ups, and yeah, there's, I'm like, squads issues. and weapons, and each yeah. weapon has different upgrade paths that you can go down to, and it's just like, mm-hmm. how, I I love this, but also, like, why you could just give me like maybe x gun and just say this is good enough and i'd be happy but they went that extra mile and now i'm really Mm -hmm. confused it's probably so that you have some kind of weird incentive that you wouldn't have had before if there weren't those well yeah they put so many they just crammed as many skinner boxes as they possibly could cram (laughs) in there and it's everything you click on every icon on the main menu opens up a skinner box it feels overwhelming It, it is, is like there's ta- the, uh, it's like t- modern tales game level of like too many progression systems. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they've got like in tales, the in tales of Berseria, you can level up vendors for mm-hmm. some reason. Survivors buying and selling from vendors levels them up, and I was like, now nah, I'm yep. a level seven fruit vendor. What? <laughs> you level up your weapons, and then when you level up the weapons, the skills apply to your character, and you level up the skills that applied from that. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Like, this is kind of but, in that territory a little bit of like, what? Oh, God, there's more progress. There's Oh, I clicked on a progress bar and it opened more progress bars. <laughs> <laughs> They're hiding inside of each other. <laughs> all, all in all, though, I kind of appreciate that because, like, once you kind of get the general gist of how each one of them works, it 
none of it seems like terribly out of place, just kind of maybe a bit needless. The amount but, of like, control it have you that have Warframe might be thing. frustrating in the long term. Yeah, well, like, it doesn't have that Warframe thing of just being like, so how do I actually get better? Because I hit max level and I still suck. Whereas this one's very clear. Well, now, we, now we have to worry about RNG, RNG a bit. Because like when, we, when you beat levels, you get skill points. That's nice and straightforward for the skill tree. But then you have the mm-hmm. other thing, which is you have another window where the uh, under the skill tree, there's the research tree. And you get those by having waiting for them to accumulate in a researcher that happens automatically. And you have to keep checking yeah. back at it like it's a... Like it's a Facebook game. And then you yeah. also get <laughs> random booster packs that are the primary source of experience that you spend on mm-hmm. yourself and your guns yeah. so and your schematics I actually, and your I actually survivors. really like it. it. It doesn't make that much sense, but uh, so I'll break it down. Uh, so the at the end of every level, you get those treasure chests. They give you... Um, I don't know what the people resource is used for. I think you need, like, your actual base before you can spend that anywhere. Yeah, we haven't built our base mm-hmm. up um, and a lot of our survivors. Yeah, so we have it, to progress so. in the story to unlock that. But uh, the little EXP tokens, I actually really like that. Because instead of being like, okay, so you use this gun here, you get X amount of EXP for it. And mm-hmm. all those other guns you didn't use, you get, you get nothing. Instead, you get a resource that you can spend yeah. to level a gun up intentionally. Which I think is good, because... Say if you're like uh, playing a high end mission and you've got this new gun you want to use, but it's under leveled because you just got it. Uh, all you have to do is just start feeding the resources from using your higher level gun uh, that you know you got doing a higher level mission with your higher level guns, and you mm-hmm. start feeding them back into that lower level gun, and eventually catches up. And I was able to build my firework pistol finally. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a firework pistol. It's it's sort of How it's very interesting. Festive. It has all these, like, it looks like a sparkly flare when Mm -hmm. you fire it, but it bounces off the ground once, and Mm. it does AoE damage to everything around it. So it's a little bit finicky when it comes to actually targeting because it has an arc in the reticle. It actually has some kind of denotations for, like, what kind of arc you're going to be firing it at. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you're aiming at something... And it drops too low and it hits the ground, but then it might bounce up into the enemy that you're aiming at anyway. Um, and if you directly hit at least the low-level enemies, it just incinerates them immediately, which I think is pretty cool. But uh, it's interesting. I don't know if it would be my main go-to thing anymore, but it's interesting to craft it. Um, But you mentioned RNG. I'm not actually too worried about RNG, except for uh, characters. I think getting new characters is going to be a bit of a problem. Yeah, I, I was just buying. I haven't got, yeah, I haven't got <laughs> yeah. any of the. That's the business uh, yeah, model because it's going to be a free to play game ultimately. Yeah, like just um, buy the things you want, like League of Legends. But like, remember how I was running r- running around the levels and then telling you guys to come check out these like treasure chests to mm-hmm. like just open up. They oftentimes will have like good weapons in them, mm-hmm. and I believe there's a system once you unlock the I think it's the scrapbook or the collection book or whatever mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. can turn weapons that you found into blueprints so you can remake them as many times as you want. Um, but what that means is I could potentially give you a gun and you can m- turn it into a blueprint and then keep it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So after that point, the only real uh, sticking point is uh, running low on resources. You can't make new things. So Shell needed more gunpowder, uh, which was initially a bit of a problem. Because we couldn't mm. find coal. Yeah. Even the nodes that looked like they had coal in them didn't. It was weird. But, I mean, honestly, I don't know. It seems mostly sane, just a little bit slow to kind of incentivize that cash shop system, which does feel kind of dirty. I don't know. 
I, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I can't judge it much until I actually spend some real time with it. M- my big concern yeah, is just whether yeah. or not there's going to be any... I can't tell yet whether there's going to be actual tactical gameplay or, or not with the building, or if it's just going to be like, eh, just shoot everything. Because definitely I, the early I missions... I would hope so. It would be a huge missed opportunity. Like, uh, this is just kind of a very it's... rare opportunity to actually have like a new type of gameplay that actually digs into being able to build build things freely and if they don't do that then they, they definitely do need screw it up <laughs> better ai i was running into some issues so i was running a, a random mission at the end right. just to uh just because i was tired and didn't want to do anything else uh-huh. um and it was another one of those like uh kill the storm missions where you're supposed to uh defend that like weird ring thing Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at the end of like a, a ramp that would like zigzag back and forth, and I was up at the top, and so the enemies had to zigzag up like a natural stone ramp, and eventually they got to the top where my base setup was. Uh-huh. And there was just a little bit of like uh, the platform jutting out over the over the Did they edge of the fall off of it or something. No, they wouldn't fall off of it. Oh, they would be walking up the ramp, and after a certain point, they would be close enough to like come in contact with just the smallest bit. Of that overhang that is mm-hmm. not blocking their progress at all, but they'd immediately be like, "Ooh, something to hit," and they just start beating <laughs> on the underside of my base, even though it is not blocking their progress whatsoever. <laughs> and so I had to sit there shooting the guys that were going for my base, and not the guys trying to get into my base because they just die because I lined the entire thing with traps. And That's it was just kind funny. of this weird chore of being like, "Come on, your pathing is better than this. It should be." <laughs> I mean, honestly, they die really fast, so it's not a mm-hmm. big deal, but... I think the obvious concern to voice is just the idea that, like, uh, base defense and tower defense style games are inherently kind of like a puzzle solve type thing. Like, how do I yeah, tackle right. this problem? And yeah, the, so the like moment you add ton, tons of meta progression and stuff like that, you you start screwing with the balance of that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we have, a meta, we have a meta progression thing, and then also, like, I was really shocked to find out, for example, that, like... Like when you when you lock when you load into a map, you go scavenge stuff, and mm-hmm. like my, in my head, I'm like, oh, you'll scavenge stuff and you'll make stuff out of a limited pool of stuff that's like balanced. But to no, that you level. can carry resources in. Yeah, with you. not only can you carry mm. resources in from other missions, but you can just like craft a billion different guns and even already be holding them before you start the mission and already have pre-crafted a hundred different traps that you can just place anywhere. And I'm like, there's kind of no balance system. In, I'm just in hoping the that so they. Far. I'm just hoping they just kind of keep it as this, like, weird arms race where, like, Mm -hmm. the enemy difficulty ramps up more and more and more until you have to be like, okay, maybe I have to, like, kind of mess around and, like, rethink but also regrind so I have some of the better traps or whatever. As opposed to, like, constantly just having the enemies kind of just be weak fodder that you kill forever. I don't know. on, on On one end, you have, like, the relatively hardcore, tightly balanced experience that was like the first orcs must die before the meta progression systems that were added or even multiplayer was added and on the other Mm -hmm. hand you have warframe where you're kind of not thinking and everything's exploding and a billion numbers are happening (laughs) and it'll be interesting to see where this balance is between the two yeah i I will say uh seeing as you bring up warframe there are actually like difficult missions that you have to think team composition whatnot but that's you know very definitively kind of like the end game that yeah. generally the grind a significant is like amount of warframe from. is like playing well a lot of diablo yeah like, no I have most of the game is i click diablo. on things till they die 
<laughs> Most of the game is Diablo, but every once in a while it turns mm-hmm. into like WoW raid style of like, okay, so you need these people in this role to do this thing, otherwise you're doomed. And it's kind of refreshing when that happens, but also yeah. like Did hard. Did you also have a puzzle die. where people got incinerated? Yeah, uh, right? so Warframe <clears throat> has two raids, and mm-hmm. I did one of them a couple weeks ago, and it was actually rather enjoyable. Because uh, it was like each mission had a different like weird puzzle mechanic that you had to do on top of your standard objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like one of them was there was a panel on the far end that would light up, and you'd have to go stand on a pad corresponding with that icon. I mean, it's not the most complicated puzzle uh, ever. But so you had to do this uh, in coordination with eight people. Mm-hmm. And also you're getting inundated with really high level enemies that are killing you. So you have to like more or less use up your disposable people first. Um, but then also since none of us were in team speak together, except for uh, Effie and myself, it was like playing telephone because Effie wouldn't tell anybody how the puzzle worked. He was just telling people where to stand. <laughs> so it was like one of the hardest puzzles I've ever done purely because of uh, human human error and a couple other things. But once I got it, I was like, oh, this is actually kind mm-hmm. of not bad. And you also had to do like bomb running so you could weaken just the boss. Just be happy you didn't have any sluice gates. Uh, no, there were sluice gates. There, oh. there was definitely, there was definitely a sl- several sluice. That's where what I got the, the idea for sluice, the sluice anyway. gate. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But yeah, that's where I got the idea for the sluice gates because we were having so much trouble with it. I was like, oh, they're going to hate this. And they did. <laughs> I had a great time because I solved the yeah, puzzle immediately. You did. And then you didn't tell anybody how it worked. And then you <laughs> no, disappeared. No, we knew, they, we knew by example. He really did. It, it, he didn't really solve it. He just used other people to get through it in a way that was not <laughs> at all tenable long term. We were for trying the rest to figure out a way to get everyone through. And unfortunately, uh-huh. it just meant brute force. Bird did the equivalent of the ending of We Were Here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Where you're like, hey, can you stand on that, that for a second? Oh, peace out. Bye. Enjoy <laughs> dying <you>. here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nobody died. Like a sluice is literally just time. like when there's a controlled waterway where water goes through a thing. You, mm-hmm. you the sluice gate is like is just the thing you lower that controls either how fast or stops the water flow. Mm-hmm. It's like if you lower it down into the water, like several feet, then you're letting less water through continually. But what's a sluice? That's the sluice. Oh, the gate well, is also called the water. Sluice. What? Oh. The, oh. the the sluice gate is also a sluice. So the, the sluice, uh, when you say sluice, sluice gate, it's a gate gate, basically. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Sluice gate so, is more helpful than, yeah. than just saying sluice because <laughs> sluice can also describe sluice. like rinsing something. I guess so. I didn't think of that. So a sluice gate is a rinse gate. <laughs> uh, it's now you're thinking of a runescape. Ah, uh, anyway, actually, I was reading I... a little. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, no, no. You go. Fight. I okay. already had a topic. I was, uh, I was reading a little bit about um, Fortnite and um, just kind of the developers behind it and uh, stuff like that. As they finally it's come up for air. Pretty weird development history going on here, which probably explains why it took a billion years to make this game. But uh, it's by People Can Fly, who made Painkiller, Bulletstorm, and Gears of War Judgment, and then Fortnite, I guess. And so basically they're kind of one of those uh, studios that becomes like basically attached to the hip to uh another studio which happens all the time mm-hmm. you can think of it like the um how and how studio to nintendo basically like yeah. uh 
So what happened is Epic Games actually acquired a majority share of um, People Can Fly uh, and then rebranded it as like Epic Games Poland or something like that. Because that's such a great name. Yeah, that's a horrible name. Horrible name. I People hate when was a great name. studios do that, where they like take a, a they just like rebranded as like Blizzard North or like Unreal Bioware Epic Montreal. Games. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> anyway, so uh, in 2015, they decided to actually split off again and become an independent studio, which I didn't know was a thing that a company could even do. But apparently, they must have figured that's out what how just to happened do it. To yeah, I guess yeah. That, I guess that did just happen to them as well. But uh yep, so Epic Games Poland reverted to People Can Fly S P Z O O. What the hell? That must be some kind of Poland thing. Um yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess uh then they're I mean that's gotta just like completely trip up the development cycle of a game if you're like yeah. C level and like your ownership is just changing every couple of years like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what made this game that was probably definitely contributing contributing I mean, factor. I mean, you to want to talk about confusing? They they co-developed Bulletstorm with Gear with with Epic to publish yes. it under EA, but then pu- then they mm-hmm. made a remastered version again to then publish under Gearbox. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. Bulletstorm is a funny game, and I liked their <laughs> promo stuff a lot, like uh, duty calls and things like yeah. that. <laughs> I mean. Uh- Honestly, I actually really liked Bulletstorm. The plot and the What's fact bad? that it's a it's a part one of a series that will never finish uh, yeah. pisses me off to no end. But like, I, I found it, it like is... to be a missed opportunity. Yeah, well, mm. I mean, like gameplay I, wise, I didn't, I wasn't into it. I really mm. liked the like weird combo kills and the environment kills because mm-hmm. I, I thought they were underutilized. Are, basically, they were. They most definitely were. But like, there was some like weird shit that you could do. Was that the one? Where you could control the bullets after you fired them? No, I no, I don't else. think so. There was like a bola that you could. You're thinking uh, of uh, Wanted, the video really? game adaptation of the movie that was actually kind of fun because hmm. you could curve bullets in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> You'd basically like hold down a button while you were aiming in a direction, and then press another direction to make like right. an arc line come out, and that'd be the direction it'd go. And if you let go, like bubble bobble mm-hmm. shooter curve bullet thing. Mm-hmm. For me, the but, issue, with, uh, like oh. p- the issue with people, can, uh, not people can fly. Bulletstorm for me was just that, like they advertised it as like you can do anything you want. You had a billion options in every combat scenario. Look at these crazy things you can no, do. No, it usually was about <laughs> seven. No, it was and a most really of them involved it was a, shooting a guy. Yeah, it was like a super straightforward shooter where every now and then there would be like a very, very, very obvious canned location where you could do a special execution on someone. Oh god! And, and the freedom felt low because instead of having a, a health system like Doom, it had a health system like Call of Duty, where like in two shots your screen was all red, and you're like you're gonna die in a moment. Yep. So mm-hmm. you had to hide a lot. I'm like, that's the opposite of the feeling that this game advertises. <laughs> like Doom so, was everything that I thought Bulletstorm would be. I, I, I still liked the environment skills. Like I actually wish more, um, more developers would include that. Like you know, punching a guy over a ledge or kicking a guy into like spikes and stuff like that like i like that in dying light where you can Mm -hmm. actually get zombies to impale themselves and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. that feels really good in a game to me because yeah it's not just bullets that can kill people here and it's cool if you can actually do some like cool tricks to kill them off um it's it's just just impossible to design it's super hard it works in 
It works yeah. in the zombie games because you expect the AIs to be like completely brain dead already. True. Uh, I, and then <laughs> improvise traps like that kind of feels fun and makes sense. But that's the only context I've ever seen it get pulled off. Or even like contextual well. execution animations and stuff like that yep. can be so hard that whenever you see them in a game done well, it's usually a game that's otherwise kind of bad. Like Resident <laughs> yeah, Evil 6 true. has amazing kill animations. There are mm-hmm. like hundreds of them, it seems. And they're mm-hmm. based on like what hand, like what environmental thing is nearby or what you have in your spare hand and like what direction you're coming from. Like there's so many weird custom kill animations, but they're in Resident Evil 6. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that game is hot garbage. <laughs> I, are you still I, playing that with wings? Uh, we did a couple missions. I've been too, really busy lately, but yeah. I haven't really had a chance lately. I saw a speed run of Doom 2016 where they used the uh, execution animation to do some really fun glitches. So <laughs> if you if uh, if you ran up right next to a door and then there was a stunned enemy and you did the uh, execution animation on them, it would allow you to just barely clip your hitbox outside of the on the other side of the door, and they were able to use it to like um, get past huge sections of the levels and stuff like that. Uh, without um. actually getting the keys for it, and um, it was a that was a really fun thing to watch, and I guess uh, it it kind of made me understand a little bit about like how that game is programmed. Because if you've worked with um, if you've worked with like uh, any sort of video game engine a little bit, you start to know how they're put together really well. And like in that moment, I was just like, oh man, that's pretty embarrassing that that happened (laughs) so is it like a situation where you approach a monster it's standing by the door but Mm -hmm. you do a kill animation that sends you around it but it just happens to push you through the door to the other side so effectively yeah but it's even less visually it's it's even less visually um it makes less visual sense than that like it literally Mm -hmm. just kind of you clip like your left foot into the door and then the game will just push you through to the other side because it doesn't want you to be stuck inside of things yeah. so it'll naturally like try to if and a lot of video games do this and that's how a lot of like glitches happen is if you get kind of partially stuck in something it's very common to have some code that just like pushes you all the way through it so you don't get permanently trapped inside of it um and it's just uh though the, the way that that stuff works um is that they basically tied the character's position to their animation, which makes a lot of sense. But if you make the animation suddenly be in a different spot than they were before, you can get like teleportation uh, effects <laughs> and, and weird glitches and stuff like that happening. I forgot what prompted that thought so much, but uh, it was very actually, funny to like think about it and see it in action. <laughs> I actually had a fun Here. animation glitch in Prey uh-huh. where... I found uh, Michaela Ilyushin, and she's like wounded down on the ground, and I come to comfort her. And uh, when I'm, I think when I'm, it's when I, I, I think I go to get medicine and come back. And when I'm giving her the medicine, we, uh, the animation starts for me to like crouch down to her where she's like, li- like, like laying against a pillar and stuff. And mm-hmm. suddenly we all teleport two feet to the left inside of a employer. <laughs> oh. So we're inside of a employer during the cutscene. And, like, we're, like, going through the Reployer physically, like, the space that it should contain. But somehow the Reployer isn't clipping through her and is still somehow behind her. And it gives you, like, the image... It gives you the impression that the entire around us is a single two-dimensional image that's broadcast around us like a Five Nights at Freddy's game. Because uh, you become super aware of the idea that, like, 
video games render specific objects over each other regardless of their distance sometimes. So despite the mm-hmm. reporter being closer, Ilyushin was being animated as being on a higher rendering layer because she's in a cutscene. So she was still on the top like photoshop layer essentially <laughs> while being so far away that she should be clipping through the reployer during the cutscene for the entire cutscene it's like the equivalent of that's like when funny. It, how do you even do that it was what it, is it, a reployer by a th- the way uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the joke <laughs> yeah that's the joke that's uh, even so my 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 general chat on my uh discord is literally what is a reployer <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I noticed that. So yeah, the visual huh? effect was like the equivalent of like when a video game, uh, you know how like in a shooter, your gun is not really your actual 3D model, but it's just a weird 3D model of a gun that levitates in front of the, the camera that's separate mm-hmm. from your 3D and uh, shape. And it's really obvious when you play uh, multiplayer shooters with, with people. Uh, it was the visual effect was the equivalent of like a game like uh, Aliens, Colonial Marines that let you walk too close to walls with that effect, and you could, and like suddenly you could press individual buttons on a keypad with your gun because your gun looked like it was made to be the size of a, of a tiny toy race car because it was shrinking in perspective because you get too close <laughs> to walls with it. That was what was happening in Prey. The only weird problem I really remember in the entire game. Very good game. I beat it. It's great. Hmm. That ending. Apparently, can't talk about the reployer. The reployer is such a. Uh weird concept in this game that there are whole articles that are written i've never played i haven't played prey yet i do mean to uh sooner or later <laughs> but i'm just reading about it and apparently like the the story is that one of the artists made it as just like this filler thing and then just started putting it inside of every single office because he liked the way it looked yeah so okay. it just started appearing everywhere and then um everybody else is kind of Everybody else in the development team just started making jokes about it, and then it just became this like inside joke in the office. And then yeah, when, I yeah, remember when you look the at, game itself. <laughs> yeah, when when you look at it, it basically looks like a catch-all office machine thing, where it doesn't. Yes. It looks almost like all of them, but not like any of them, and you can't really identify yeah. what it does. But but if you don't look at okay. it directly, you never question its presence. Yeah, it looks like they're, a photocopier printer great. scanner. <laughs> yeah, they're great for platforming using them. Using them to like uh, stack up because they're like big and boxy, and uh, mm-hmm. they're also really good for flinging at enemies because big and boxy and huge hitbox, mm-hmm. so they just plow straight through uh, if you, enemies. If you want to do that, if it's you cool. go through some of the obscure emails in the game and side notes and stuff like that, it becomes clear that nobody on the ship knows what they do either or who ordered yeah. them. <laughs> and, but and yet there's a waiting line to get one, <laughs> even it's though they're like wow. everywhere. Oh my god, I work in an office, and let me tell you. That is so, so accurate of people being like, hey, we got new, like, mouse pads or something like that. And, like, nobody wants them, but then some people start getting them, and then suddenly everyone wants them. It's just nonsense <laughs> what happens sometimes. It was well, it Another was funny great. point is that the uh, the reployer was apparently cut from the game multiple times, before, <laughs> and they just kept putting yeah. it back in. Well, uh, apparently the artist that made it had to actually fight with one of the like directors or producers, okay. like actually almost not like lost his job, but they were like actually angry at each other because he was fighting so hard for this useless thing, and. Now it's I a wanted... meme and everyone loves it. Yeah, oh yeah. I <laughs> oh, honestly, I found... it's actually one of the most memorable things about the game. I found <laughs> I found Igwe's email. <laughs> Doctor Thorstein, I just wanted to write you personally and thank you for my the new reployer. I hope some people have. 
I, I know some people have been on the waiting list to get one of these, and it was a pleasant surprise to find a new one in my office this morning. It is this feeling of gratitude that makes me awkward, makes it awkward for me to trouble you further. However, if you could spare one of your engineers for a bit, it would be great if they could swing by and show me exactly what it does. <laughs> <laughs> the best joke in the game. <laughs> oh my god, there's actually a Bethesda article <laughs> specifically on the employer. You you know what would make it would have made it really perfect is if uh-huh. like they for the original release of the game they Released gave a away like a physical reployer <laughs> and a manual associated with it to one person. You know what's really funny? Um, if you fire up um, on Steam, you can actually look at the manuals that are associated with games. And it's like a really obscure thing because games don't really... Modern digital games don't come with manuals and you don't think right. like uh, to look you at those. You have a tutorial now. Yeah, I they have a tutorial. They often do in the games tutorial. just don't tell you. Yeah, but then what's really interesting is that a, a lot of games actually do contain manuals, and some of them are amazing. Like the T four, mm-hmm. the, the 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 Team Fortress two manual is literally a like instructional pamphlet on how to use a. Uh, it's like a fake pamphlet on how to assemble a Team Fortress two turret, and like <laughs> the dangers associated with them and stuff like that. I that's, remember the big. That's great. I remember the big booklets for. Uh... Knights of the Old Republic and a couple other games had like character mm-hmm. bios and uh, interesting like lore tidbits and whatnot. Maybe even some yeah. extra art. Uh, nah, manuals used to be the greatest, one of the best parts of playing a, like a really good video game. Yeah, um, uh, Metal Gear Solid One. You actually mm-hmm. needed the manual for like Codex. Oh yeah. Oh, was yeah. it like a well, cipher or something? Annoying. Well, there no, was a was whole a era DRM. of video games. Yeah, where <laughs> manuals were DRM. They would have information in them oh, that was required man. to play the game. So mm-hmm. I uh I got a D and D game, like one of those old like D and D adventure CDs. And really? Yeah, mm-hmm. but it came with a cipher that routinely you had to use the cipher to like to do stuff solve in the game. a thing uh-huh. but the very yep. beginning of the game you had to do the longest cipher as kind of a tutorial but also to make sure that you you actually legally own the game because each cipher <laughs> apparently was printed differently oh. um and so if you didn't have the correct cipher and i didn't oh, you man. were boned because <laughs> I, I got it from my uncle who's like yeah you can have it i've never played this again so i like threw it onto the laptop and tried playing it and it's like you know, that's the incorrect cipher code. And, like, I got my dad and a couple other people. And then my uncle's like, oh, yeah, I remember I don't play that. <laughs> I I bought it uh, secondhand. And apparently oh. that cipher goes with this game. So he mm-hmm. gives me a different oh, no. game. Didn't work for that one either. And I was just uh... like, I give up. It's not worth it. I'll go back to Baldur's Gate where what it sucks, doesn't have this problem. What sucks about that kind of DRM is it has to be, like, manually packaged and everything. So, like, yeah. someone could just screw up and then that person has a bad product. Yeah. Like I think oh, about yeah. how, like, my copy of Mass Effect 2 came with two Cerberus network cards. Yeah, Did somebody you'd have else to call up one? the developer and be like, hey, guys, Aww. my thing doesn't work. And, you know, most of those video game companies went out of business after, like, six months. So oh. the hotlines well, would die. <laughs> and you were, just, become like, you were just screwed forever. Oh, well, I mean, think about it. on the plus side, a lot of those, like, old... Uh, hint hotlines and all those old video game hotlines. If you call them now, you get um, phone sex hotlines. So, silver <laughs> lining. Does everyone have a story of like a most like amusing, weird, like manual packing type weird game thing? Oh, of that isn't I DRM. Have... Oh, not DRM. I have a bunch that are DRM. 
Just a really weird one, at least, as opposed to literally just being a codex or like a thing. Look at this to beat the game because we hate we don't trust you. As there, consumers. There's <laughs> some weird DRM, though, man. Like, I remember there was this one. Uh, it was a Disney game and they gave you this. Uh, there was like this page of codes and they gave you a filter that was like a, a, a decoder thing. Oh, and, was it like a thing with a red uh, yeah. place plastic in it, there? Exactly, exactly. Because what people you used to do see. is they would just they would just take pictures of the manual page with all the codes and then just mail it off to people or put it on the internet. So then they you needed a physical like sheet of plastic to hold over the code page and it would reveal the codes to you and de decipher it. Uh, you know what was awesome? Okay. So when I was little um, mm -hmm. I think that we probably played this on the Windows like 98 or something, maybe a little bit later, mm -hmm. but it was 3D Dinosaur Adventure. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a, just a, a PC game that was educational. I, I would uh -huh. say it, you, you would go to different parts of what essentially looked like a, a different kind of Jurassic Park and they would have exhibits and you'd be able to see dinosaurs and stuff. And, uh, you actually they they packaged it with the the blue and the red kind of 3D glasses because uh much of the game was visible in 3D and i don't i don't know if there was a non 3D mode for it maybe there was uh but <laughs> maybe but they had a lot of like stop motion animation footage and 3D animation mm -hmm. and a bunch of things just explaining about the these are the type of dinosaurs they lived here and blah, blah, did that and uh yeah putting Putting on the glasses, then suddenly, wow, it's 3D. And <laughs> was it that blue know? and red bullshit yes. 3D? Oh, God. yeah, it was that. So if you <laughs> if you took your glasses off while you're playing the game, it, it just all looked like a fuzzy mess, and it was it looked terrible. like a fuzzy mess when you had the glasses on. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it was pretty good. But uh, it was maybe a little, it was a little weird. I just remember all seeing kids Spy these I saw days. Spy Kids three in theaters with red and blue glasses, and I'm like, oh god! I'm like, oh. All I could think was like, I guess this makes it gray <laughs> like it didn't really make it 3d it just make it just made it like kind of nauseating it looked like your i was having a with stroke 3d glasses that actually work what the <laughs> hell man what the hell in my day it was just like there was the virtual boy <laughs> like that was considered like well that was considered a piece of crap nobody liked it even back then <laughs> now that's interesting um so the the 3DS has mm -hmm. a means to make a quote-unquote 3D game. Works without... really well, too. Yeah, yeah. If with, you hold it perfectly in the, the right glasses. spot and train your eyes to kind of zone out slightly in the perfect way, it, <laughs> it feels so weird at first. At, yeah, at first, I... but then you get used to it and it's amazing. Yeah. I've only experienced yeah. the 3D in a 3DS in the context of like when I, used, when I worked at Best Buy, the product was launching, mm -hmm. so I would go to the so, demo every now and then and be like, ah, ah. I... I have pretty bad astigmatism. So it doesn't oh, yeah. work for you yeah, no matter what you no do? No matter what it is, it <laughs> never looks 3D unless I've got it like a couple of inches from my face, at which point I get a terrible migraine. So the, the whole 3DS setup is just like so, oh. so useless that to me. sucks. Because the like, effect is like, actually really awesome. It really sure does it work well. It's neat, although sometimes it, it immediately becomes slightly iffy with the moment you're looking back and forth between the two screens and only one of them's 3D. Yeah, yeah, that's too. a strange mm -hmm. feeling depending on how they're used in the from game to game. For me, yeah, the, so uh, the when I was talking about the pack-ins, like the one that the weird one that comes to mind for me is just that like 
the game Heavy Rain was a game mm-hmm. about uh, the the villain of that was this this enigmatic like figure this this origami killer. So the cover had a origami crane with a little bloody t- uh, corner on it in the rain oh. on the cover. Uh, the game took like half an hour to install on the PlayStation Three, so mm-hmm. the game came with a textured piece of like postcard paper with like a grid Who do you on make it. Origami? And and it was textured like the one on the cover and the loading screen while it was installing the game was teaching you how to fold the uh the origami crane. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so I remember another I was kind of on the, Oh yeah. Go for I was going to say we'll I was DRM. kind of on the opposite side of the whole DRM thing where mm-hmm. my dad I mean my parents are cheap. I've I've said this a billion times. So I had a ton of uh, shareware games. Oh, yeah. uh, But you never had the full editions. (laughs) I never had the full edition. So I was actually usually at the uh, uh, at the mercy of the uh, weird DRM sometime. Mm -hmm. So so like uh, oftentimes there were like uh, there were games where uh, shoot. I don't remember one. There was one where you had to fight a boss. And normally the boss only has like a certain amount of HP. But in the uh, the shareware version, the boss was invincible. Uh, like, Aww. you would do damage to him, but there was no health bar. And so we could just never kill him. So I got really good at fighting him. And a couple of years later, as like a kind of one-off <coughs> video for YouTube, I ma- I played the remake. And, um, and you just, just flattened him? Powered through I it? Flat- yeah. Like, muscle memoried straight through the entire boss fight. <laughs> and I was so confused. I was like, wait, What? And then I looked Wait, it up, and win? it's like, oh, it's because it wasn't because I sucked as a kid. It was because that was the end of the tutorial. Because as soon as you died in the game, it would be like, all right, thanks, thanks for playing. Wait, so uh, buy the yeah. full game. So they couldn't even give you that little shred of you were victorious. Now buy no, the hell game. No, hell no. They wanted They're to make like... you mad, so you buy the game. Yeah, which was super clever. More like it would make mm-hmm. you so frustrated with it, you're wondering if you actually had the chops to play it. Yep, and would never get it. I was a little uh, lucky from an entertainment budget perspective as a kid because my brother was a huge pain in the ass. So <laughs> just to make him stop for a while, we would get more entertainment things. And so I was just like benefiting on the side from that. Like we would just always have like a few more video games to go through and stuff like that just because they needed to work. And my uh, brother would just raise mm-hmm. such a stink being just the littlest shit as a kid. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> So, you know Fantasy Star Online, of course. You, you kind of remember when that oh, came yeah. out, right? We did local multiplayer GameCube Fantasy Star yeah, Online. That's what I would do. Oh, it was the amazing. You can cheat with. Split screen. <laughs> but so, um, so. So you get even. I, so you have a total of 100 pixels vertical. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I picked that up as soon as it came out on, um, on GameCube. Because uh, I played it on the Dreamcast when my friend had it, and it was amazing. And I played the crap out of it for years. Um, and for the most part, I just never bought any other games because I was kind of uh, poor. But, you know, as I started getting into middle school and high school, I started getting an actual allowance so I could afford things. And my parents would let us rent games from Blockbuster, but they'd almost never let us buy, buy anything. Mm-hmm. And so, like, two years down the line... Uh, or three years down the line, after I've beaten everything that Fantasy Star Online has to offer us, I was, like, looking into getting a new game, and it was, like, Dynasty Warriors or something. And my mother's like, you already have enough games. Just go back and play Uh, some more of that Fantasy Star Online game. (laughs) That you were so, like, bananas about, like, why should I get you another game? And I'm like, this isn't, like, uh, this isn't, like, Monopoly. 
This, that's it, not how it works. Nobody would tell you, like, hey, I don't want to buy you a new book. Go read that other book again. Yeah, yeah. like, the, the whole parents thing of not understanding video games where they expect you to play the same games over and over again forever, and they also expect you to, like, the moment you stop playing a game, they just figure they can just throw it away or sell it or something, and it's like, no, mm -hmm. my library. It's like, mm -hmm. At least you know, my just parents... throw away all the movies you didn't watch this year. Like, That's literally how they DVDs. treat all of our video games. Like, I had so many consoles growing up that are just mm -hmm. dust. They're just gone now, and I have to reacquire them secondhand if I want to if I want to play Mischief Makers Ouch. again. Mm. Why would you want to play I, Mischief Makers again? You shut your whore mouth. I got a sixty-four, I and I got my Mischief Makers, and I got it. It's like, can you even tell what's going on in that game? I that can't. Even as a kid, I looked at shake, it. It was shake. like, <laughs> oh, I was thinking everything of has else. a face. Okay. every floor, every Mischief wall. Makers is an awesome game. I everything was thinking in that of, game um, has a face. <laughs> I was, for whatever reason, I was it. thinking of uh, Nights into Dreams. You play oh, as a woman ugh. whose primary skill is throwing <laughs> yeah. stuff. So to the point would... where her platforming is she grabs stuff and throws her herself by throwing it so hard, but the thing is immobile, so it throws <laughs> Wait, her. What? Oh, no. Mischief no. Makers is full bonkers. We, we can podcast the Mischief play Makers another time. play as a robot maid for some reason. It's a weird game. <laughs> it has the worst music the... ever. <laughs> It's, it was one of those like uh, weird game, weird N sixty four games that was like kind of before its time, okay. but also like yeah. insane. It was one of the first two point five D games that I can remember being like really successful too. Shake, yeah, shake. and, and I yes, remember the seeing it at Blockbuster constantly. Shake, 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 shake. I mean, the first no, boss the shake, fight shake, against the dragon is like, badass. Just... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, you should grab that to his, me years ago. Catch his like, hands when he tries to punch good. you and throw his hands back at his face. <laughs> He's like fully articulated and animated and shit in a way that seems impossible for a 64 game. Wait, this is a treasure game? He had facial expressions. It's a boss fight with facial expressions on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> Mischief Makers was made by Treasure, the people who made Mario, Wario World, Gunstar Heroes, Ikaruga. Like AKA all those the best games. games, yeah. This is the same awesome. company we like rediscovered during our EDF playthrough. Where we're talking about, wow, they made all the best things. Apparently, weird. I know <laughs> these are awesome. <laughs> Radiant Silver Gun, Bongai O. I don't know what the hell those are. Uh oh, Bleach. <laughs> Ew, they make Bleach <laughs> games now. Yeah, they, yeah, they do scroll Ew. down. It's like Astro Boy, Bleach, and McDonald's games, and you're Built like, oh, yeah, Lost Planet. <laughs> I think they were one of those uh, companies that thrived. For a very short period of time and then probably got bought out or like pushed into nothing but uh tie-in games oh crap probably, i yeah. remember this there, so there's a game there's a bleach game i own because somebody thought i was a fan of it because okay. you're not the a name fan of, of the game is the name of the game is bleach dark souls <laughs> <laughs> that's a real video game that came out in 2008 or at least I for mean, us it did. So funny. Side scrolling beat em up DS game called Bleach Dark Souls. <laughs> I mean that's So we can ex when can we expect a playthrough of that on your channel, Keith? <laughs> <laughs> right after I get a Game Boy Advance or a DS that I can play on the on the internet. I mean you could just you could just emulate that's it. That's the this problem point. though. I've never without... emulated a game yet and it feels wrong for some reason. Without like a completely unique made up word for your title. Isn't it possible for like other like authors or game makers and whatnot to? Because I mean, 
how many things out there must be called like shadow something or the dark whatever not not those literally but you you know what i'm getting at that's usually just not uh, the important part of the trademark mm-hmm. like in that you, game the uh, trademark thing is bleach and dark souls is just some dumb subtitle they threw on it years right. before anything was ever called dark souls because dark souls came out three years later mm-hmm. okay so it, but it's yeah. just funny how people are thinking Oh, you know, is that a reference to Dark Souls? No, that was before Dark Souls. Yeah. Okay. Things get That's problematic when they start like dealing a... with Zenimax because they're pricks. And so <laughs> they try to sue over things like the fact that they're, uh, like, what, an indie game had Prey. to change their, yeah, an indie game had to change their oh. name to, like, pray for, to the gods, but it, and they changed the, the spelling of pray to P-R-A-E-Y to, yeah. because they were getting sued by the makers of uh, Zenimax over Prey. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you have, like, the... The trading card game Scrolls, Scrolls was getting sued because of Elder Scrolls. And it's like, well, it's your fault for having such a generic ass name for your fantasy universe. You can't Listen. trademark the concept of Scrolls, but they did. Really? Yeah. So just because something was called Scrolls, it's like, no. It's Technically, called... they don't have a legal footing for most of right. these things, but they but still try. So expensive. Well, yeah. the, no, the Banner they, Saga got sued by Candy Crush Saga because that company wanted to own the word Saga, and they were yeah. ironically suing K- Banner Saga, which was a Norse saga, the definition mm-hmm. of the word Saga. <laughs> now, yeah. now would I hate it? Would World of Warcraft, Starcraft, whatever, would they have any grounds to potentially attack someone for doing like Magecraft, Minecraft, or something? Minecraft? Oh, yeah. Minecraft. Yeah. They Did could, anything ever happen? They could probably... No. That? no. no. They could probably it's stupid try. And Blizzard's not as stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, it's not like they have Diablo craft and Hearthcraft no. or something. It's not lawyers. like they had everything There's that was just craft. lawyers that work for ZeniMax and Nintendo that are basically just pricks. Mm-hmm. And... And they just are, they overreach because they're like, I don't know, what are we going to do today? We better go suing things. <laughs> and they're way too aggressive by, like, whenever somebody talks, like, whenever somebody that knows anything about the field talks about the behavior of those companies, they usually talk about them as just being, like, way out of bounds with their behavior. Yep. Hey, I, on the other hand, what if they win one day? Then they're in good shape. They'll sure crush that tiny company that didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's always some tiny have, like, company doing nothing. like, a monopoly on a word. Yeah. yeah, people uh, won't be able to to put scrolls in their book. You know, it'll just yeah. be parchment for uh, the end know. of times. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Finnegan extracted a scroll I, I from his pack. There'll be a resurgence no, of the word papyrus. <laughs> I, I actually don't think they would be able to win. Period, because I don't think any no um, <laughs> no jury. I, I don't think any any jury or uh, I don't think there's a jury judge. in those kinds of cases. Yeah, usually it's it's well, yeah, really? usually. Yeah, if it's a civil court, then it's usually a judge. Juries are more for uh I feel like juries usually come down to like somebody wronging yeah. someone or killing someone, basically. Yeah, usually this goes it's uh, a this goes to in... get a cur- to get a jury together. Yeah, and then oh, yeah. keep them there. Juries are impossible. I forgot that because you get people like me who will do anything and everything to get out of them. Yeah. Yep. Oh hey, that reminds me, I wonder when I'm ever gonna get like summoned did, you, did you ever update your address when you moved yeah as soon as she got here she got like a jury duty it was thing. because we had registered to vote here yep, yep. yeah so i hadn't even been here well, that's for what they, half a they year pulled from the voter and... rolls yeah yeah uh, 
I have you never even worn papyrus. You are more likely to get pictures of a, a buff skeleton with weird amounts of muscle than you are <laughs> to get pictures of actual papyrus. Yep. Papyrus mm. isn't buff. It's some of these they drawings are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're, papyrus we're, swole. Let's the, look at this. The two of them papyrus swole. Based off of like sans serif and like yeah, papyrus and comic fonts. Sans. Comic that sans the joke. Comics. The papyrus okay. font. Yeah, that was the joke. Uh, so okay. part of it is also like uh, no no judge would want to award them that. But the reason why, even it, even though they'd lose the lawsuit, probably the other company would fold because yeah, they can't afford legal fees. Yeah, and the and they can't afford to not have a lawyer because then they just lose by default. Uh, generally, been... when it goes to like mediation or whatever, which is worse. You guys can deal it's with these awful. images in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, weren't we talking about this before where we had been looking up um oh, I had been looking up uh like an article about authors and um what they think of like fan fiction and stuff because people had actually been asking about like writing fan fiction for the D&D campaign. Not allowed. For, Greg is an original I character. I own Greg. If I see you also a single fan the fiction, name Greg. If I see a single fan fiction or fan art of Greg that has not been explicitly cleared by me with my written consent and the NFL's written consent I mean, for good measure me. on top I, of that. I, I, you made the Greg persona. I made the Greg character. The Bugbear oh, Paladin shit. is my We're creation. Gonna, we have disputes now. <laughs> IP uh, law. Let's break oh, out no, the lawyers. Oh no. But, oh, no. But I made Greg art. What to oh, do? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to have really to sue you for Greg. It's like Oculus Rift all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anything, yeah. I need to license it from you two. <laughs> So the thing about it was, I was it's thinking, like the Black yeah, episode. I, I should Keith, look what the into fuck this. Are these like, pictures? <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? I gotta see uh, this. What is geez. going on? I regret nothing. Oh, what I about regret the a Greg lot. With swimmies? That's Didn't fine. someone do a fan art with your, Greg your with swimmies? Your don't transfer to me. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> a, a buff Yoda. Buff Yoda, why? <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> Uh, in any case, uh, so I was looking it up because I'm like, yeah, I'm in the process of writing a story and occasionally I do concept art of my characters and people are already wanting to like make fan art of my characters. And I'm just like, I should probably write like a little thing on my profile um, about stuff like that. And I was I mean, looking it up yeah. and appar apparently <sighs> there was um, a lady who loved... Loved fan fiction of her stories. Like, she had written, like, numerous novels and stuff. And was pretty well known in, the, like, the romance or sci-fantasy community. I, I don't know. I, I forget precisely what her name was or what her series was. But it was to the point where she actually edited her own magazine dedicated to fans mm. that wrote fan fiction. And because she, she was, like, really pro-fan fiction, saying that she had her roots in fan fiction and it prompted her to write her own unique story so then she could actually do something with it. So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, fan, uh, fan fiction is good because it allows you to, like, work with someone else's world and characters and then later on you can do your own thing. Yeah, um, and then true. there are people that are like, no, you should, like, you know, definitely, you know, Start with your own thing because why put so much effort into something that can never truly be yours? And I mean, that's a position I took eventually because it's like, eh, like fan art gets eyes on your art. But if you can mm -hmm. make something that's truly yours and unique and it can become something, 
then it, I mean, I, I've heard from some people that uh, making fan art and fan fiction is really nice because um, the established world gives them a lot of scaffolding to build their stories off of. Yeah. Oh yeah, world and building it, is tough, and yeah. it's like I'm not still easy world to work building with. my world, and yeah. it's gonna take a while. <laughs> so if you just want to practice your writing skills, fan fiction is actually like rather good. Right, right. Yeah. So let me get to the like the issue. Oh, okay. So, so then this lady was writing a new novel, and uh, she was going to publish it, but this other girl uh, who was actually one of the um, fan fiction writers for her like magazine or had had some work featured in there um, sort of like I don't know how the script was like I think what she was doing is she's like oh yeah I noticed that some of the things that happened in my book are similar to a fan fiction you wrote but that's because you loved my story so much like you actually guessed at something that I was going to write for the next segment of my story so if huh. it's similar like i i can give you credit for like some of the ideas but really this was something that i was going to write myself and the other girl's like no you know it, it's you know sure it was my fan fiction but now you're claiming it's yours it's completely mine kind of thing but it's like but it's something that the fan fiction writer based off that's of the other why you girl's gotta universe. cover your base with legal fan stuff fiction of the fan fiction of the <laughs> fan fiction so this lady couldn't release this book that she had either like half written or fully written and was going to make the next segment of her like story because her publisher of, wasn't comfortable with it well wh- yeah oh, and wow. one of her one of her fan fiction writers had guessed at something that would have so that's why um I think that I was one of the people that had addressed this. She herself was a writer. She'd actually like sent scripts to the X Files because she's like, I love the X Files so much. You know, I just wanted to make my own fan script for an episode. And the fan, uh, the X Files people sent her back her envelope completely unopened, mm-hmm. and they e- mailed it with a little disclaimer saying, you know, we can't open these because if oh, yeah. we, if there's any indication that we read your script. You could sue us later if an episode happens to resemble anything yep, yep. like yours. <clears throat> so we're just putting it out there, you know. I'm actually uh, getting people sending me um, ideas for D and D campaigns, and I'm intentionally like not reading them because I'm like, I'm yeah, because you don't want. I'm to not comfortable to sneak with this. in. Yeah, one oh, person's yeah. like, I've got an idea for your next campaign. You should do this, this, and this. And the moment I saw that, I just I closed Discord, and I'm going to wait yeah. until it. Uh, Comes back. I should probably put a disclaimer in one of the videos, being like, "Please don't send me ideas. I can't I mean, imagine this is ever going to be a problem." People item ideas, but you well, I already asked that was for the sanctioned thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a sanctioned thing, and uh, nobody could go after me, being like, "Hey, you took my idea." When yeah. like I actively was like requesting, it. I was like, "Hey, by the way, mm-hmm. like you know, give me items." And in giving me items, intrinsically, they probably would lose their right yeah. to. Uh, Right, so it just makes me, like, frightened. Uh, There were actually people asking if they could make, like, fan OCs or give me suggestions for my story, even though I've literally only been world-building and creating character concepts and stuff, and most of my notes aren't, like, open to the public and everything, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really feel comfortable with it because I I don't want to be influenced, even subconsciously. Um, and there's, there is, there are these instances where people can come back and claim something as theirs. It's just, uh. Yeah, that, that kind of controversy happened with, uh, Left 4 Dead 2 when they added new enemies and then they pointed, then people could point back to, like, an old forum post where some people, like, made up those exact enemy concepts down to, like, weird details on the forums already. 
and mm-hmm. Valve was denies having taken them from there. Was it like generic names, too, that were attributed to them, or...? Was it just I the concepts don't know. themselves? I think it was like just names, the concepts. visual concepts, mechanical concepts, like how they would work, and like they were, and a lot of them were really similar, supposedly. Mm. Uh, so were they wanting a cut? What was their what was their I beef don't with? Really know what they were going for, but just that was just mm-hmm. a, that was just a stink that was risen at some point was this idea that maybe Valve stole ideas from its own audience or something, but Valve just claims they didn't happen to even really read those, and it's just in the giant cloud of posts. And frankly, there's only so many ideas you can come up with for like special enemy variants in the Left 4 Dead games anyway, so like it just yeah, seems like it could I easily think, happen. I think the issue specifically was the um the spitter. The the like weird lady that would spit like pools of acid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wanna say it was either that one or the charger that were like the main ones. And it's like those are fairly obvious concepts if you think about it. Like I can't I don't know. I can't I mean the, them. the the charger is literally the most generic type of special enemy in video games a thing that charges at you in a straight line you have to dodge out of the way like it's been and then maybe it hits a wall and stuns itself is like how it works in every game (laughs) i do that constantly that's how bulls work yep (laughs) yeah that's how bulls work it's just real life yeah Yeah, one of the very first things things. that I'm... If I ever do release any sort of software project, before I do a damn thing, the first thing I'm going to do is go to an attorney and get something, like, on paper. It's going to be really expensive, but whatever. I've got to get, like, an attorney to at least give me, like, a templated, like... Here's, like, a a generic, like, end-use-and-slicense license agreement. Go on, you know, just cover your bases. Yeah, Eula. Sucks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, because that's a big reason are... why. Another reason why I'm not releasing the um, the auto uploader things because I would need a Eula before I could yep. do it, and that's that's expensive, man. Getting a Eula is like three to five thousand dollars. Also, like your auto uploader has already failed on you a couple of times, so it's like don't want to well, release yeah. that to public. Well, yeah, that's also another part of it is because it has bugs, and I don't want to. To find out from you other don't people have that to are fix using them it. for other people. Yeah, yeah, fix them for yourself. That's it. Yeah, and the yep. other thing too is, I mean, there are like copyright protections for for like artwork and other things, like by posting them online and stuff. But the problem is, um, like you can't stop people from China from ripping images and then trying oh, yeah. to oh, print yeah. them on things. Oh yeah, Actually, uh, that's a whole other uh, can of worms. Did you see the game dev post about uh, some guy who had all of his like kind of promo assets flipped? It turned no. into an app on a mobile store. Oh, they made it into a mobile game. Yeah, that's the so, thing. No, people they didn't. Ha- people they have had didn't, their characters taken from online and into shrunk down game. into like characters for mobile so, games. So back up a bit. They didn't make it into a mobile game. Okay. They took all the assets. So the uh, the uh, the like promo art, like the screenshots and whatnot, the loading screen, bunch of stuff like that. Okay. And they put it up on the game store. But what would happen is you'd get to the first loading screen and then it would freeze. But, you know, at this point, they've already got several advertisements and, like, maybe some, like, kind of premium buy, uh, like, buy or, or whatever stuff. Wouldn't they get sued for not actually delivering a product, though? But it's a, it's a foreign company, so... Yeah. yeah. Can't how do you, sue them. <laughs> it's hard to sue that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're... Uh, they're uh, the, the developer most more or less posted on game dev, like, Alp? <laughs> and everybody is just like just report them good luck like, yeah there was surprisingly little useful information i was just like mm-hmm. damn that oh. is well i mean if yeah. another government isn't going to help you then yeah you're screwed there's, 
There's also been an issue too with um, you know how enamel pins are a huge thing now. Everyone loves those. They're they're like these people make uh, cute cartoony uh, or like sort of like symbolic things, and you can have them printed in metal and with like, oh. colored enamel laid on the inside. So it's sort of like um, oh, you know, with Pokemon trading cards, there are those packages with a nice mm-hmm. pin of a Pokemon. With, I like, think I have a Starbomb pin. It's like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So you there, do. Yeah, I do have one of those. Yeah, so there are these pins, and um, they're such a huge thing now. But it's it's expensive. Expensive to produce. Like usually, you have to sell these pins for ten dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. But because they're so like niche now, all of these big name department stores are starting to get creative teams to exclusively make pins for their lines. Mm-hmm. But there have been so many artists that have like Etsy shops and things. And these companies will buy a sample of their pin, copy it down to a T and then oh. have it printed and distributed in places like oh. Target or who knows where. That's rough. And sometimes they don't copy it exactly. Maybe they change the color or they vector over it. In a mm-hmm. different manner, but it's it's still the same thing, and it's yep. just like, ugh. And, and I mean, what? That's what can a they really do? good idea. I'm gonna do that. I mean, what they can do is actually sue Target. The problem problem is Target has Target has so much more money. Yeah. So yeah. like the poor artist, more or less, would be. You'd have to get a lawyer that would work on contingency. It's why. Um, it's why uh, Sears for a while was stealing, like, um, more or less... Uh, prints. Sometimes they have, like, certain prints or patterns for mm-hmm. well, um, cloth or whatever. But um, what were they stealing? So Target... Uh, not Target. C- Sears would steal uh, tools from inventors. Oh. oh, yeah. That's right. And they would steal tools from inventors and then absolutely refuse to um, pay out effectively... Even when, like, it was very clearly, like, an idea that somebody had maybe even presented to them years before. And they said, no, we don't we don't want that. You know, go away. And then they just steal it and just keep it for themselves. Uh, I have to give super. up. I actually was spending this entire time trying to research the Charger and the original, the guy who was claiming to be the creator and stuff. And, like, it's all, it's so old that it's just not the kind, like, video game news is not archived. Like, it just disappears forever. No, that's true. <laughs> And every every re- existing article just links the uh, thread directly without without actually quoting it or screenshotting it. How and big is said, the thread? <laughs> well, it, it's it's from the old uh, build of the Steam forum, so the link doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it just takes you to the domain. I see. So, so like, you can't yeah, find the Steam it forums. Again. <laughs> yeah, now the Steam forum is completely different. Weird, because you can just look up news from like 15 years ago for other stuff, and it just works. But video game journalism sucks. You can look up news from like 300 years ago. Video game journalism's so, garbage. Yep. Did I? Uh, did I mention the whole like Mauer, uh, game artist more or less uh, taking down a bunch of YouTube videos thing to you guys on the podcast? Um, or no, but you've told me about like. I think You've, I mentioned it so too. many stories about YouTube videos getting taken down lately that I don't know which one this one uh, might so be. There's a, uh, I guess, yeah, I think this happened during one of our like kind of podcast breaks where we were doing like other stuff and I couldn't talk about this. Um, but so Alex Maurer is a develop, uh, is a game music composer. Uh, was kind of famous for her like chiptunesy art, which all fine and good. 
but mm-hmm. she was doing the soundtrack for Star Mazer, um, oh, yeah. Death Road to Canada, and a couple other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a recent, uh, in a recent, I guess I don't know, fit of, I'd say a fit of madness because uh, it just is like a weird, messed up situation. But effectively, she decided I didn't get paid enough, uh, so I'm going to demand extra money from them, uh, or like from the developers for uh, for my work. Or I'm going to DMCA take down the game from Steam. And the developer's like, we paid you, like, a lot of money already for this. Like, no, go away. Something about and this screams breach of contract. <laughs> it does. And, 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 and it's professional behavior that ruins your career. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and as far as I can tell, that's kind of what's going to happen. But and so, supposedly it's, like, really hitting like a lot of small YouTubers. Well, hard. Let, me, let me keep going. Okay. So, uh... So she she DMCA takedown or she used the uh, the takedown thing from Steam. She took down Star Mazer DSP from Steam, um, and Steam put it back up, being like, "No, <laughs> like, well, then why did it go I, down in the first as, place?" Well, because uh, they're Steam, automated. Steam doesn't bother looking at things, even <laughs> no, when it's no, it's important called, as a uh, game being taken down. Safe, it, I think it's called like Safe Harbor. Um, it's a thing about DMCA takedowns, which is why. Um, it's why you, YouTube has its weird DMCA. Is it the guilty till proven setup? innocent kind of yeah. format? So yeah. Okay. YouTube, uh, also known as YouTube, justice, Steam. Huh? Yeah, YouTube, Steam, and a number of these other places will take a video down first because if they don't do so, um, they lose. Like, generally, people can't sue YouTube because their content's there. They have to use the built-in takedown system first. And if YouTube did it in the reverse, then you'd have to sue YouTube to get the content taken down. Right. And YouTube really doesn't want that. So, like, it makes total sense, but, like, in Steam's case, they took it down for, like, a day, and they're like, oh, wait a second, no, this isn't right. You know, when a human actually put eyeballs on it, which is insane mm-hmm. for Steam, honestly. Yeah, I didn't know they people even worked at Valve anymore. I thought they were yeah. just <laughs> entirely made Relax. of, like, top-notch they, smoothies. Somebody has to show up and then shovel all the money off the floor and then <laughs> go home. <laughs> what percentage but, so, of their employees do you think are beanbags? Uh, I mean... Are they Gabe Newell-shaped beanbags? Because the answer is 90%. Oh, God, everyone gets a Gabe Newell flesh bag to sit on. (laughs) No, flesh bag? No, just be like a weird, like, pink thing. Like, like, really comfortable. Flesh-colored, but with a Gabe Newell head on the end. Yeah. Really comfortable, but also incredibly weird. Um, But yeah, so so she took down uh, Star Mazer DSP for a little while. And when that didn't work, her uh, immediate reaction to that was to start DMCA takedowning every single YouTube video on StarMazer DSP, um, saying, you know, it's using her copyrighted content, um, and saying that she would revert the uh, the takedown notices, the copyright strikes, if they would actually speak out on her behalf, you know, condemning mm-hmm. the con- uh, the company for not paying her enough. <laughs> Well, wait, so she was trying to bribe the YouTubers? She was trying to extort the YouTubers, yes. yes. This is some, like, digital homicide level of, like, unethical it, behavior. It, is. it was Honestly, very unethical. Holy yeah, it was shit. super unethical. And it's still going on, actually. Um, so she, she wants to ruin uh, her reputation with as many people as yeah. fast as yep. possible. So what happened is, uh, uh, there's, there's more to this. So she took down River City Rampage next because she was partially, she did the trailer music for it. The game and that so came she out like took five that down years ago? from Steam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she went after that, and she started going for the Let's Plays. But another interesting thing about Steam's copyright strikes, uh, they've actually softened it up. So you don't get it on a per-video basis. You just go one copyright strike 
per batch of copyright violations that you do, which I actually think is better. So like if a company uh, decides to try and take you down, they have to wait a su- substantial amount of time before they can hit you with several uh, several strikes, which I think is probably good. I don't know. But um, so what she found out is apparently if you take back your DMCA takedowns and then reinstate them, that's the second strike. So, um, yeah, so she's doubling up on fuck? on hers to wow. threaten these YouTubers even more. Is yeah. it th- isn't it three strikes <laughs> route? Yeah, three yeah. three strikes and your channel just disappears. You can get it back, but it is such a nightmare situation that oh most people never do. Oh, my God. Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was actually funny. I've been reading a story, but it, it, was, it had a happy ending for the uh, person writing it. Um, they had purchased a license to use music made by a, a music company. I, I suppose there are companies that allow you just to purchase licenses for various tracks to use in uh, your videos. So he did that, and oh, a interesting. Like, okay. Korean or Chinese company decided to do a DC, uh, whatever you guys call it. DMCA. DMCA, yeah. DMCA takedown for the video saying that it was music that they use in their trailer and or that it was their music. So he finally does research. It turns out that it was used in a soap opera trailer in Korea and that uh, they had used a version that was highly edited. So, mm. in fact, they were the ones that had stolen the music and repurposed it for their television show. So the YouTuber went to the company that he had purchased the license from. He's like, oh, yeah, and these people over here are after my video, but they are using that music that was heavily altered like in their thing. And the company's like, oh. Huh. And the, the Korean, like the um, Korean uh, soap opera Shit people, like... They, they they stopped their their strike against the guy and they're like we're so sorry and and supposedly mm-hmm. they're in a big bunch of legal trouble with the company that actually licensed out the music because not only did they take the music for their own uh their soap opera but they had heavily edited it and everything and we're going after random people that had legally purchased licenses for the music company's music hmm all right guys <laughs> I'm afraid I'm have to duck out early something just came up. But uh, have a good rest of the podcast and uh, enjoy friend. talking more about um, DMCA things. <laughs> yeah. And Jar Jar oh. Pecs. Um, Jar Jar? Oh, no. Is there another one? I may have been posting things in the Discord. Uh, <laughs> including the best C-3PO tape dispenser invented by mankind. My God. Tape dispenser? <laughs> that That can't be good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's special. See it. Google uh, search is a, is a magical place. Oh, I've seen the, I've seen the drawing. The buttons. I, I've seen those buttons before at a convention. I I've almost bought one actually. <laughs> you almost bought a jar. Tell a story. Tem- I was tempted. Yeah, it was at yeah, uh, they're, Anime they're... Boston that one year. You didn't go with me, and I was tempted yeah. to buy one and give it to you just to make you uncomfortable. They're straight Wait, up me? souvenirs of like sad buff Jar Jars. Jar Jar with giant pecs, like a Captain America comic book cover. But looking down and crying, and the and there right. are buttons that someone's selling for three dollars, and I'm like, what? It's sort of embarrassing. This, this tells but a story. <laughs> when I was a kid and we watched uh, episode one, I actually really liked Jar Jar Binks and had like the action figures because with you were a kid. Like, Obi Obi Wan and Quinlan. Uh, but, oh wait, well, not Quinlan. Sorry, Qui Gon. Um, oh, 
Huh? I still wanted to finish the Maurer thing, uh, oh, seeing as sorry. I never actually got to the section that related to why I brought it up. But <laughs> oh, And now okay. Bert will never know because he doesn't watch these. No, he doesn't. Um, but so the, the reason why I brought it up, you had mentioned uh, games media being weird. This is also a means of getting back on topic and away from Buff Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> but so uh, the thing that I found, I guess, most annoying about this situation, because like normally it will just kind of resolve itself and like it's shitty, but it should be okay. But what pissed me off was a bunch of games media people were like writing articles on this based on like maybe doing half an hour of research, if even. So they were taking the side of. They were like actively saying that these like YouTubers had attacked her first or like various other things or like is some of them were insane. Like, uh, can you be gone after for like defamation? By talking about this, uh, so you can only you can only sue somebody or for slander. defamation if it's false. Uh, for example, if I said that Keith is tall as fuck and that's not okay, he couldn't <laughs> sue me because he's tall as fuck and that's not okay. Um, How tall is Keith? I think Keith is what six two. No, six I'm, I'm literally just normal ass six feet six tall. Feet? Oh. Most, <laughs> taller than me, so I can't I'm an tell. I am the boring tall, and that it's the very normal amount of tall to be, for a tall person. Yeah, see, I'm like but two inches. We have this weird reoccurring thing, by the way, which is that uh, Andrew keeps saying he's taller than me, and I, okay. and he means it, and he keeps thinking that. But we have video evidence over and over again in the past of me being significantly yeah, taller than him. He's a small skeleton man. He has no ground. He has yeah, no like ground I, to stand on. There, we had a whole thing where a, a joke was that I had to crouch to make our heads the same height in one of our videos so we could frame ourselves correctly. He's, <laughs> and in his head, he keeps thinking he's taller than me, and I don't know how it happens. <laughs> Talk about I mean, libel there, or whatever. There <laughs> well, are, I don't know. I just there are some people that have bad posture like yeah. like this guy right oh yeah here. i go down to by about two inches if i'm just standing around in like normal pose whereas there there are people like me who like deviate in size for no reason whatsoever i swear it's like, entirely based on how how long your giraffe neck wants to be well, on a given daily so basis like one doctor's office will say Oh, you know, you're five four. Another one will say, "Oh, you're five two. I'm like, "What? That's that's two inches." What? What? Uh? This one lady's <laughs> like, "Oh, I, you know, maybe I'll make you, you know, five three in this because you know." I'm just like, but "It's my brother that's like six four. Okay, and that's um, a problem. <laughs> he but, hits his dad yeah. on doorways sometimes." But I was I, I was kind of following this because, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, it's interesting. It's it's interesting to see YouTube drama that is actually, like, kind of got a legal backing for, like, well, reasonable drama. I guess it is, honestly, baseline unreasonable. But it was interesting seeing, like, uh, you know, a fairly well-reasoned, uh, like, the no video on it, followed immediately later by, like, one of the other larger syndicates being, like, these people didn't didn't read didn't look into this at all and like what I was I don't know it bugs me when I see like games media people that don't even like know what they're talking about writing like two page articles on like the issue and I'm just like oh please no this is how bad things happen this is how the uh, this is how this gates invented. are invented <laughs> yeah it's gonna be so whatever Mowgate what was it called <laughs> Mowergate yeah Mowergate. <laughs> Mowergate 2017. It shook Except for the this gaming one's like, community. 
this one's like resulting in an actual legal battle. Like it's already gone to court. Uh, and there are like, uh, so the, the reason why she went after River City Rampage was actually because, uh, there's a, uh, a restraining order saying like, you can't bug anybody else about this game until the legal battle is, uh, complete. And so she started going after all of the other games instead because. <laughs> Wait, you, you can hold, have a restraining yep. order on a, a franchise or a series? Yeah. A uh, gag order basically. Like, yeah. It's, it's a gag order being like, you can't do anything about this until um until this court battle has been resolved because it's too grave an area to allow you to have like full reign okay yeah i don't know i just i wanted to talk about that on the podcast a little bit seeing as it was going on i don't want to get into it like some other youtubers have but it was it's fascinating watching these things happen and i'm kind of looking at it with like some level of like expectation because maybe this legal battle will make it so youtubers have some level of defense against developers just being like your your compare your channel well, you uh, annoys us it is dead now a lot of issues with what japanese music videos popping up in various anime related oh, video yeah. games and stuff oh yeah or? i can't uh half the time whenever there's like a jrpg the intro is yeah. Absolutely, oh, yeah. like not okay. Square Enix. The intro to every Square Enix game nowadays is like a very, very ex- like something that they had a license that cost money and would is going to like, like take if, your uh, video down. Would it be like if an American game had Beyonce or someone singing? Yeah. Well, which never the happens, title theme, basically. which never happens, right? It's but... always some obscure indie band or like the equivalent of like. It's always the the music's always like the equivalent of like the house theme, where it's like they might by like they might be giants or something, but it's just like noise mm-hmm. happening like somebody had to court somebody had to put it together but it's not like a k-pop song or something right but yeah like uh final fantasy 15 opens with stand by me and it's like a cover but it's still a big enough deal of a cover to be a something that'll take your whole video down and uh uh type zero also featured a like big j-pop song that just destroys the video and, and it's rough as oftentimes these songs are like Considered to be kind of like the theme of the game, but so do they pop up at various like cinematic moments and then suddenly hopefully oh, no, not. It's the theme. <laughs> it has happened to me in the past. Um, in Type Zero, oh. they played the same song at the, during the beginning intro cutscene that was just like an anime intro with credits and stuff like oh. that. But then they played it again during the ending during the ending of the game, which I had to mute the entire ending. By the way, uh. Uh, seeing as you were talking about playing the surge, turn off the music in the surge. God damn it. So I had to do it, that also in a, in search? Let It Die. Let It Die had like a 100 song soundtrack from soundtrack from different like Japanese well, bands. Okay, so there there are a couple of workarounds. So the problem with uh, the surge is the so there's like little safe zones. It's effectively the bonfire. Imagine so if exactly every time you like sat down die with a radio that sat, plays in the safe zone. Yeah. So every time you'd sit down at uh, the bonfire in Dark Souls and start playing Stand by Me. Jesus. Um, yeah. That'd and, be really funny if it was literally that. That, it would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> High-octane uh, mech combat. Stand by me. <laughs> Just out but, of uh, so it was, uh, it was kind of frustrating. Uh, turns out you can actually put in your own music into the, uh, the lobby, which is what I ended up doing. I was like, okay, I'm just going to replace this with a Castlevania remix, which everybody hated. They're like, no, get rid of this. And I was like, every people are never happy. plays bloody tears. Well, you have to make sure it's something that isn't. Yeah, well, it was an OC remix, which is OC. Okay. Which is fair game. OC, do not steal. Yeah. 
But uh, I don't know. That was that was an interesting and unfortunate realization. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to remove this and be unhappy about it because why do you developers do this? Because <laughs> oftentimes, just to make a recognizable thing, and people are like I recognize, but it's that, not. That makes me happy. That's the weird part. It's not a recognizable song. It's just copyrighted. Oh, they just want something quality, supposedly. Like, Bo- both, both, uh, like multiple Mass Effect games end with like a weird, like I don't know, like like electronic rock song or something in the yeah. credits, and I'm like, why is this happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's like unrelated to the music and it's weird licensed stuff which I think is what happened to the Andromeda oh, video they but do that like, because movies end with you know at least 80s and 90s movies always end with some kind of weird rock song at the end so yeah. much, it's so much better when you just license like a miracle of sound song or something <laughs> I mean I actually really did like the uh, outro song in in Mass Effect 1 I thought that was really yeah. good it's weird to suddenly but, have lyrics in a game that doesn't have lyrics in all its other music, though. So you're, like, caught off guard a little bit. This is truth. But it was also, uh... It was written by Jack Wall, who also did the mist, uh, the music well, for Mist Exile and Revelation. What I'm talking about specifically was they had a song by a completely different band for the outro for Mass Effect Oh, 1. they did? Yeah. Oh, because he actually, um... He actually wrote the ending theme for Exile, and his wife sang it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I like the game composers. I love any anything uh, that has Austin Wintery, not only because it is totally, like, YouTube-friendly, but also goddamn amazing. So it looks like the song was called M4 Part 2, and it was yep. played by the fonts. Yep. Which oh, is yeah. a hard I listened word to, them. to say. <laughs> okay. Uh... Mind switching topics. I've got one more game I can. Well, more games I can talk about. Hey, does, does actually you can actually talk I, about Spider Man? Okay, you actually, talk and then I played through something interesting. I I played uh, through the entirety of a game called Perception, which was okay. weird. That's the blind lady, right? Yeah. So first of all, it's weird because like you are immediately you're just Daredevil, like you have all of that like magical like I basically seeing of. everything but only kind of power. So everything that ever makes sound will make shockwaves let you see everything. Uh, I beat the entire game in one sitting, which may have been a mistake because my eyes just started to hurt by the end. Uh, <laughs> there's weird inconsistencies where one of the, when you're walking around, you get like a shockwave coming out of your feet along the floor. Right. Very brief and it. and it disappears into nothingness almost instantly. But if you press a space bar, you can use your cane to make a louder noise that actually reverberates the entire room in every direction. And you can see the entire, all of your surroundings basically almost perfectly. Uh, uh-huh. And it it's really, so what happens is, is the game starts getting a little frustrating because uh, about a half an hour in or so, they introduce a monster. Ooh. And so the monster will hunt you down based on sound. Wait, so, so you can't use the very thing that you need to navigate. Exactly. So like if you use but- the cane to make noise, you attract the monster the more you use it. And you get a, like a slightly more menacing sound every time you use it until it finally just actually like finds you basically. But, but it's can really you hear frustrating. The monster and see where it is in the environment. You you can or see no. it when it's going around. Okay. It's, it's got it. It itself is a noise source, so you can always sort of see it coming as a result. Uh, right. What's iffy is just the fact that like you can't see anything for much of the, for much of the game unless you're creating sound. 
So like trying to navigate the environment to figure out where your objective is to figure out how to proceed with the story is like actually kind of like an ordeal if you can't just use the space bar to see the room in a moment. And so it's a lot of like bumping into walls and just like blindly wandering around in it and like very carefully spacing out your use of audio sources because you don't want to be killed. And like it's almost mm-hmm. like the game would have been better without the monster entirely and just letting you navigate this, this weird dark story because what you're doing is you're actually... Uh, you're experiencing the sto- the via envi- via environmental storytelling stuff. You're experiencing the stories of the people who previously lived in that house. Oh, it's a house. Yeah, you're exploring oh. a house that you keep seeing in your dreams, and you don't know why. And you start encountering the histories of all the different families over the over the centuries that have lived in that same house. And so it's like it's it's actually got like, like an interesting little backstory to go through, and it has a it has, it has it's it it's really weird about its use of the blind stuff uh on one hand it's cool that you can hit something with your cane and like, like shockwaves come out and you can like see the shockwaves of energy that you can use to navigate and everything and that like that's an, ex- an entertaining enough way to navigate kind of like how scanner somber had you shooting dots everywhere okay. but now w- it's really inconsistent about what creates noise so mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff in the environment that seems like it should be creating noise that just doesn't apparently because it doesn't affect your vision and it's like lightning strikes and like air like air raid sirens and other weird um. background noises are like for some reason not making the game visible to you which is weird like it'd be cool if a lightning struck and then for a moment you could see the entire house for example just like yeah. which is how lightning works in real life for eyes actually uh like it's really inconsistent about that stuff but there's really, but they have really cool concessions about you being blind in two different ways that I really liked, which is that one, it's a modern day game. At least your, at least your character's modern day. So if you find mm-hmm. a document you can't read, because no, no, no amount of Daredevil power is going to let you read like paper. Paper. You, yeah. uh, you point your phone at it, and you, re- and there's a, de- there's a, there's a Delphi of uh, text to speech app that reads things uh. to you. Which is amusing. Yeah. And then for okay. more complicated things, you take a photo and there's like the equivalent of like Uber or Tinder and stuff like that. Like like these like helpful modern apps that involve other people, but for blind people, which is that you yeah, take they... a photo of something and someone explains to you what the photo contains over the phone. Yeah, there's I've seen a lot of that lately. I've also seen instances where you can take photos of something and it will create braille for you too. That yeah. would be a quiet way of. And that, of that was my favorite something. part of the game because of the fact that like things are getting more macabre and gruesome and questionable as the game goes on, and you're sending these photos to this one guy, and it's always the same guy, this one guy Nick that keeps uh, getting uh, you because he's like at home cat sitting, and. Uh, oh. And he's like, "What are you in?" It's like, "Wow, what are you in? Like an escape room or something?" Because <laughs> he's like seeing this weird like stuff, and he's he's thinking it's not real, and it's like a like a like a fantasy setting or something, like an escape room or a haunted house. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's uh... one of the best parts of the game. But uh, but the game, yeah, it's super iffy about what causes noise. It frankly causes like it's kind of uncomfortable to look at at some point trying to navigate, now, and she doesn't seem instances... to have any senses besides sound for some reason. So. Was there were there any instances in which you could actually say set an alarm clock or something so that you can escape the room and have the monster like go for the source of the sound so that you can bypass it? Were there any puzzles like that? At, as far as I could tell, the monster did not physically exist in the world and would oh. just come as a punishment of you using too much sound, basically. 
but one one of the one of the quirks that was useful is you could walk into a room that had like a TV and turn it on, and it would either be playing static or like a nature documentary or something, and it would be constantly making noise in that location, which meant you could see that room fairly well. Like, but for as monster long as the TV come was for on, you because it wasn't a sound you were making. The uh, the monster never seemed to care about the TVs, as far as I could tell. Right. I, I meant to, I made, I went through the entire game and I only died twice and only one of those was to the monster the other one was a weird like chapter specific quirk that came up that was kind of dumb but I got uh. through it uh it's firmly in the territory of like those interestingly experimental games where I can't really tell if it's a good game necessarily or even was a good idea but, it was an but somebody went with an, yeah result. someone went with an idea basically yeah I like that like if you haven't yet uh wander you should sit down for like a single session and just play scanner somber. If you if it looks yeah. interesting to you at all, because it's I, my, only like two hours long. I so my problem with Scanner Somber was I saw all these like bigger YouTubers playing it and I was just like, eh, I'll let them have it. I, I always yeah. kind of do that where it's just like it's not even the fact that I'm not interested or the fact that I care about competition. It's just that like uh, there are so many other games that are getting coverage that like stuff like Scanner Somber and so Soma and a bunch of these other ones that I'm like yeah. actually super interested in. I mean, I just, like, yeah. I just really got a kick out of the experiment of like just the weird idea because that was the Darwinia True. people. Like they just make oh. strange games. Oh, oh right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, Dar they is... made Darwinia, Prison Architect, Defcon, and now like Scanner Somber and stuff like that. Now, one thing that I was wondering though, uh, I know that you guys were talking about like what series are worth it for you and what ones aren't, and I'm thinking to myself, with all the subscribers you guys have. If, like, it's one of those instances, you know, if everyone gave each video a watch, wouldn't you guys be pretty well off? But it seems like only, like, a fraction of a fraction of the audience actually looks at certain videos. Yes. Um, yeah. So, because it's That's sort of like That's why people make clickbait. Someone yep. can have, uh, you know, thousands of followers, but for a new like art piece that they put out, they only get 10 likes or something. It's like, but... Well, it's... it's so yeah, what like, is it? Well, first of all, like YouTube is full of casual users. People just log in and if they like stuff, they just click subscribe on a bunch of different channels, but maybe they log in like once every two weeks and like people aren't necessarily like usually actively using YouTube as their only entertainment source all the time and they're not, not and just because they subscribe to you, they're not going to fanatically watch everything you watch. So right. it kind of becomes a competition because you have some people that are subscribed to 300 channels or more and you're trying to sort of fight for their attention whenever they happen to pop by, which is why people like PewDiePie and Markiplier will like upload a video that unironically is titled, yet again, scariest game ever! That doesn't even mention the game's name at all. And then it's their uh -huh. face looking shocked and like there's exclamation points everywhere and so much like pop in the thumbnail and everything is because it's, yeah, clickbait works. And like when people yep. are just casually opening a website, like, what am I going to watch today? Like, they like just clicking on the thing that has the thumbnail that stands out. Like, that's how you get the click, as opposed yep. to, say, if uploading episode 117 of Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Works really well on kids, especially. Yeah. Uh, for better or worse. But, uh, yeah. But that shit's also, like, super vapid. I don't know. Yeah. I could never see myself. Every once in a while, I find myself doing a, like, slightly clickbaity, uh, uh, title, or at least I feel like it. So, like, my second episode of Fortnite is Toilet Bacon, question mark, exclamation mark. But even that's, like, I mean, a thing that happens in the video. Yeah, but you found bacon in the toilet. Yeah, yeah. I know, it just, it feels clickbaity. I'm just like, And it's well, not like you, you still haven't gone to the level of, like, uh, first of all, you uh, aren't your... Aren't... Let's see, I'm looking at your... I'm trying to load up your page real quick. 
Yeah, you put you put descriptions of videos at the end of the uh, at the end of the title anyway, so it's not it's not yeah. clickbait if it doesn't show up in the part people can see. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, I I. I I think it was you that fa- found it first or started doing it that like put the game first and yeah, found I that it was kind of better first. SEO. Yeah, originally I, I did like title at the first. playlist and seeing that the entire playlist looks like the left side all lines up. Yeah. Until you get the no, part number basically. True. But like you're still not like uploading a picture of a toilet and bacon and everything has like <laughs> no. pop around oh. it and is beveled and your face looks shocked and cross-eyed and and uh, and you've morphed your face to make the eyes bigger and all this shit that people do right now on YouTube It's channels. so weird. Well, that's so the thing. Hard. Also like, like we know people that do this. Yeah. Now, the other thing, too, is uh, YouTubers that, I mean, you guys, obviously, people like you guys for your insight and your personality, but then there are the ones that, uh, there are so many quests for, why don't you do face cam and what? Like, I understand that there's a little bit more of a level of connectivity when they can actually see you or impressions, but it seems like only the YouTubers that really play into uh, the use of their faces as part of their personas um, I mean, that would actually make those clickbaity. Part of it is like you have to have you have to be the kind of person that emotes, and I'm not. Like I I I feel like I'm actually kind of dead faced whenever I'm doing stuff. I mean, maybe you who looks at me can kind of rebut this, but probably not. But like people like Markiplier have much more expressive and active faces as part of all these situations, so they can kind of get away with it as being part of the experience. It's kind of like and a really specific gonna... form of being like on all the time. Yeah. And it's like a I, little I, I, a bit rough. Yes. A part of me would think that you'd almost have to over-exaggerate and overact. You do, And yes. then it would be really tiring. So, uh, this yes, is why I specifically... people are actors. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why I specifically um, sometimes say maybe a little bit mean things about highlights, let's players, and Term, like in uh, coordination with collabs because yeah. oftentimes I will find like highlights let's players or highlights youtubers or whatever you want to call Which, it to be clear well, like, for those that are listening like that that's when you watch those youtube videos that are actually kind of like the equivalent of donkey videos and that like it's cutting between a bunch of stuff really rapidly and there's a bunch, a bunch of funny moments in that video but obviously it's recorded over the course of like 10 hours of stuff Although I can't yeah. tell, if, I can't tell if any of donkey's audio, uh, commentary is live actually. In uh, most it's cases. not. It can't be. It so I think, I've heard the, I think his the multiplayer live stuff mic. is, and that's it. Yeah, his multiplayer stuff Just, is, and his multiplayer mic is atrocious. I don't know what it is, but whatever. <laughs> I think um, he, I think he uses a different setting on his audio specifically to denote that it is live audio yeah. versus non-live. I mean, it makes sense, and also he can get away with it because he's freaking donkey yeah but you've had to deal with these youtubers where they're trying to just make a highlight video while you're trying to make a let's play that's a full like where i'm going to upload this whole thing and you'll listen to those people in your videos of like oh my god whoa, 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 there's a toilet and there's a dildo and huh and then they're just silent for 15 minutes yep because <laughs> and then the cut part of the, the, the cut together like the 10 seconds of crazy activity and those will be their video and you can watch wanderbot's video uh, be cut down to like 30 seconds basically of stuff that they used in their video and you'll realize those are the only parts they really did anything from Wander's perspective and it's like yep, they're just baiting for moments to make the funny things happen and then the rest of the, the time doesn't matter and it's such now, a different approach that, that you can't really mix them. Yep, I know that there's uh, there are analytics now for you know 
how long does someone you know watch your video concurrently before they click away or do something else? I think the what average about, has universally been about ten minutes. But what about no matter what you do? What about when people click and drag to a further point in your video? It still counts as watch time, like yeah. past that point. But really? you can find you can find exactly when most people like click away from a video. When I have my you meeting with see YouTube which manager, parts are most watched and like yeah. If there's an, if you have like a time code somewhere in the comments or in an annotation or something like that, you can even see that like a X number of people skipped ahead in that part because the number of viewers at the, at particular parts of the video will like drop then re rise because they skipped to later, as opposed to just a constant dropping downward uh, yep. slant that it usually would be uh, weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I like our content, even if it is not as marketable. <laughs> I, I've, uh, so are you still in like Dragas Discord or no, not really? I, I have remember. been in it forever, but okay. I, I don't, I never open it because like the fastest moving Discord I have access to right now and I don't know yeah, any of the names. Uh, so I, I still have access to that. And every once in a while, somebody from there will be like, how do you put out like so many videos a day? And I'm like, I don't edit anything. I just like play games, <laughs> record it, have fun and then move on. Yeah, without all the editing involved, you probably it saves me so much time. Too much, because a lot of the people helpful. in that chat are the people that have pictures of their face, and they have like the Adam Sandler, Sandler style like candy bubble font, and like the b font is bright yellow and slanted and covering half the thumbnail, and there's a big wow like thing, and they're playing a kid sort of kitty game like Slime Rancher, and <laughs> their videos are edited down to ten minutes or less, and there's a lot of patterns you start to see where like. They, they at one point there was actually like a a little piece of there was like a little bit of drama in that Discord because they like were all mad at one person for calling out everyone else in that group for the fact that you can put their a lot of their channels side by side and they look you can't tell which ones are which kind of yep oh, and it's just a part okay. of like they've it's just you, if you follow certain trends ever you sort of start amalgamating into the same channel yeah. a little bit and it works like even yeah. even though it's kind of this like weird convergence of a style it actually is arguably as long as you mix it with good seo and like market trends it is actually the most effective way to grow on youtube apart from like fidget spinners but uh, yeah um, wait because your videos look similar you'll be suggested as one yeah of the next sort of so part of it is uh it, it's kind of like uh if you distill everything about like how to youtube well down into like a very select uh, set of attributes and that as long as you kind of follow this and have a decent amount of like personality and skill, anybody can actually like grow really fast using this method. Um, and it works for the most part, but uh, it's just weird and it feels very mechanical so when I've, like being on the outside of it. I've opened one of my top videos to go into the analytics just to talk about it. And it's uh, it's it was my Silent Henry playthrough, which weirdly enough was like a, it was like a Patreon sponsored video where somebody like st stored up some credits and was like, hey, I want to see you play through Firewatch again, but you never ever ever say anything as the protagonist if you can avoid it, basically. Okay. And because it's a gimmick playthrough, as Wander has long since learned that that stuff does weirdly well, yeah. even when you don't think gimmick, it will. Yeah, freaking <laughs> hardcore spore is like. My third or fourth watched video at this point, or it's yeah. like getting there. This two and a half hour playthrough is like on my top on my page of like top videos ever, <laughs> which is weird to think about, uh, especially with the origin. So I have look at the analytics, and yeah, you have the giant spike at the beginning, which is that it starts at one hundred percent because that's how percentages work. 
100% audience retention at when the video starts. Then, as the minutes go on, it drops significantly because it's it's a majority of the audience. The majority of the views are coming from outsiders that don't know me and don't care about me and stuff like that because that's how the virally videos work. 15 <laughs> minutes, there's a noticeable spike, which means that the people have a habit of jumping uh, forward somewhere in an interval of like 15 to 30 minutes to skip the beginning, basically, of a long video like this. And then you can also see a, a very significant a chunk of the audience skips uh, directly for uh, about two hours and 22 minutes in, which is like a few minutes before the ending, basically. They're trying to skip to the ending of the video to see how the, the playthrough ends and, and without seeing any of the stuff in the middle. It's like you can actually watch... That pe- you can actually watch the habits of people skipping ahead in videos as a whole as an overall trend, which is interesting. And like, there's so actually I, a, like the analytics are like a monstrously powerful tool. They're that, ridiculous, except yeah. for the part where you can't do anything about most of them, and it actually just makes you get way too far inside your own head and question everything. Yep. I intentionally don't look at them when I, I had don't. my meeting with my YouTube manager. She was like picking apart my analytics on pages that I'd never even heard of before. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't look at these because they are the depths of madness. They ruin you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Jordy Jordan constantly tweets all the time about how well his videos perform and how he feels so defeated and stuff like that. And he's always t- talking about like the death of his channel and how he's, an, how he's basically an ex YouTuber at this point. And I'm like, you got to You just got to You got to stop looking at numbers. You just yeah. desperately got to look at them less and just just make stuff and it's fine. Yeah. Because the more you obsess over it, the me. more that bleeds into the videos themselves, basically. Oh, the only yeah, thing I look at is I just I just look at the front page every now and then and just wow and just wow at the fact that my views per month is a number that's incomprehensible. Yeah. Like I'm like, wow, that's almost a million. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm just me. What are you guys doing? <laughs> How are those all these people? But I don't go past that. I can't. It's it's just it's poison. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And now with the age of the internet, there's just so many places where one can draw comparisons. And there are a lot of people that are trying to start or they're trying to make something of themselves. And they're just like, oh, but I can't possibly get there and whatever. And it's because it's all so disheartening and you see all the successes and yeah, it's there's a trend but- with a lot of channels. That there's there's basically two types of YouTube channels a lot of the time, and that there's the channel that is like specially tuned to be successful by doing all the exact things it has to do, and it kind of loses its soul along the way, like game theory. Mm-hmm. And then you just have weird channels that just do their own thing forever, and they, <laughs> and they just do the thing they feel like doing, and. If you're following them without looking at numbers, you might feel like they're a big channel, but then you look at their actual numbers like, oh, wow, yeah, WanderBot's going to pass these people soon and stuff like these. And it's yeah, like I, people like uh, like Lindsay Ellis or Retsupre and stuff like that are like always like surprisingly small because they just they just do the thing they wanted to do and whatever happens, happens. And surprise. Is she the one that does all the, like the Disney critiques and other things? Yeah. Because you shared your videos, I've actually <laughs> been watching a number of her things. I think it's hilarious. So I actually get a lot of comments on my videos being like, this is so sad. You've got like 100,000 subscribers, but this video only has 76 views and it's like five minutes into the like video being released. And I'm just like, <laughs> you monkey. Hey, hey but, don't say that. What happens is that the way the popularity works is that because big channels are popular, those people have tons of subscribers, which means that 
most subscribers in the pool of YouTube people are probably subscribed to some of those channels, which means that they're trained to think that every video is going to have an incomprehensible ocean of comments and it's going to have hundreds of thousands of views this, the day it uploads and all these other things that aren't applicable for most people in the world because the minor the minority that has that experience has the most exposure and so that's the most accepted status quo for a channel despite the fact that that's not how it actually works for anyone <laughs> like yeah everyone's used to opening up like the game theory like youtube stream and it, like the chat's moving so fast you literally can't even try to read an individual comment at any point and stuff like that whereas yeah like yeah. you're you're big enough that you're making a living off of it but yeah you could just go read through the comment section of your entire video if you wanted to and it ends after a page or something and it's like that's it those are the comments because that's that's the reality for most people that's that's normal <laughs> that's the non-pewdiepie experience I, what, you're I'm, getting I'm, distracted i i'm mildly distracted by the yeah, yeah something and it's hard because i'm have to listen yeah to unfortunately you're you distracted do. by and then i can't focus <laughs> yeah. on the conversation sorry what gets, uh, what gets old is that the something. uh when we do these when we do these videos uh, we get comments that have been trained by the youtube machine to be popular comments because yes. certain comments rise to the top automatically usually memes and bullshit copy paste things like oh i'm here early i better make a joke and stuff like that but so people constantly make those on our videos but they're just a regular comment and a list of a handful of comments and they just look like an insane person <laughs> my favorite one is is uh when a comment is says first on a video that was uploaded eight months ago uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like first uh, like you're really not even here fast this. it's just no one commented on this video <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's, that's just the thing that happens. <laughs> this is a blank mm -hmm. canvas, and all you could add to it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one last topic. I well, what about questions? Pretty or low on time. Well, let's do that when Bird's here. Okay. Yeah, just because the first, questions feel kind of The first question weird. I had open was directly targeted to Bird. And... I was like, I'm, he walked away, and I'm like, I guess I'm closing that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do questions next week. Um, but so I did the Warframe thing again, where I did a video on that Albion Online MMO that came out. Yeah, and I think I'm the number one search result for it now. Oh, um, which yeah. is sort of bad. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a one-off. Yeah, like... I, I was just gonna play it for a little while and be like, okay, this is fun. Maybe I'll play more. Was maybe it, I won't. Was it any fun? Ah, freaking! I'm apparently. Oh, right. I I went to your channel. Yeah, I am the number one. Um, it's it's Eve Online crossed with RuneScape, but kind of super bare bones. Because it looked it um, looked miserable, especially when I saw like that it has phone integration and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it's. I a, mean, honestly, it's it a, performs it's well like an enough. iPad game. It, it does. It does look really garbage, and it doesn't animate much, which is how they can manage to run it on a. I don't think, I mean, honestly, you it looks not, like if RuneScape grew up a little bit. You were not kidding about RuneScape. I just opened your video to an ocean of, like, a hundred people standing on top of each other. Yeah. So, <laughs> the first day, every single zone you went into had two to four hundred people. Apparently, once the game hits five hundred people, it just makes everyone else invisible to cut down on load and, like, server lag and whatnot, which like is really nice. Like the original Guild Wars. Yeah. But uh, it was uh, it was kind of miserable because there are all these people running around, and it still kind of is. But didn't they all have their special starter backpack yeah. wagons? So they gave me a press copy, which is the base version of the game, no bells and whistles. But I had access on the first day 
with all of the bells and whistles players. So I was literally the only guy who had access to the game that didn't have a horse, a cart, and fancy gear. And so all these people are running around looking like absolute, like, lords and ladies. And I'm a dude in a Speedo because that's the starting underwear. <laughs> and it's, it was, it's bizarre watching your video where every single person besides you looks like the same person. Yeah, I, I actually said later on once I had armor, I was like, I actually like the fact that they didn't give me the special armor because I actually look like somebody different. As that was a complaint to... I got on the Fortnite video. Was that somebody was like, "Oh, thank you for doing an actual playthrough of Fortnite." Yeah, because everyone's video on everyone's channel is them with the exact same weird high level gear and some like no context like vacuum level, and no one knows what's going on or how they got there or what stuff does. Yeah, and like I, I, I was kind of floored going into this because I was just like, okay. So I'm starting behind everybody else because everybody had a horse, which meant the moment I went into town, it's just a sea of oxen and carts <laughs> behind them. And I was like, okay, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, but then I get out into the world and it's immediately that RuneScape thing of people running from node to node mining and killing and stuff like that. And so I'm like just kind of barely trying to like eke out some basic resources. And then when you tried crafting those resources. Yeah. So... Here's the kicker, and and like the re the only reason why I'm playing at this point is because people seem to enjoy it, and like I can just accept that I'm going to Skinner box my way to boredom, um, just because people seem to enjoy it. Um, You're immune to Skinner box boredom at this point, right? Like, yeah, gotten, I am. You got you got I shots. <laughs> You're yeah. immunized to it. <laughs> well, I grew up with that shit because, like I said earlier in the podcast, my parents wouldn't let me buy a whole lot of games, so Skinner box games appeal to me. Because you have to. Play I mean, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're right forever. back to uploading Warframe again lately. I saw. Yeah, I. I mean, I'd like to kind of capitalize on it a little bit, leading up I'm to the open I'm world thing. You have way fewer like... episodes of that than I thought you would. I well, I cut out a lot of them because they simply were just me grinding, and I just deleted the footage because it wasn't interesting content. Um, I'd I'd be bugging you uh, if I knew you weren't if you weren't busy for more, but I figure I'll save your time for more. Um, I can't play with you. I'm in a whole different tier for you know. now. I and know because that because that game handles your progression on like an account level. We can't even like make tunes together to play with just each other yeah, like another and, MMOs. And the thing was with like, Warframe so as well. I tried joining them again just briefly, and they whizzed through the levels so fast. Yep. Everything was just a flurry of sparks and stuff, and then it was can't. all done. <laughs> I had, a yeah. I had a number of Warframe levels I played with Wander and other people where I literally didn't feel like I did a single thing the entire time. That that happens. So yep. An issue um, that happens here, for those who don't know, is that like when Wander gets a Skinner box he enjoys, he will start just burning time into it. And so the problem is, uh, like some games, like World of Warcraft, you can just make like 10 characters in a server and it's like whatever, so he can like vent into some other character on an alt if he wants to. But a game like Warframe, it's like, no, your entire account is a singular progression system. And it's like, oh, well, bef like, yeah. before long, like literally like the, a series that started with uh, Bird, Keith and Shell became Wander plays with audience members. Yeah, <laughs> audience members with at least passable mics. Speaking um, of World of Warcraft, no. But I, I want to go back to it. Albion Online before we're done. Okay, Shell, fine. you bring this up every podcast. We bring At it this up point, all the time, it's tired. And nothing ever happens. I, I need you. I, you. I, I actually leveled an entire character Shell. through Warlords of Shell. Draenor and had a blast because I could read everything. <laughs> We've been reading everything. 
Lately, we've been reading everything, yeah. and I appreciate that. Which but that, so, that lately part has been like half of our overall World of Warcraft series now, because that that <laughs> expansion is long. <laughs> yeah, but so the killer part for Albion Online, the thing that frustrated me the most is so. Like all MMOs, there's tiered resources. So there's copper, there's iron, there's tin, there's stuff like that. So you kind of like slowly go up the ladder. And of course, it requires more and more grinding to get up there, which is kind of frustrating. And the entire game is based on like making you grind as hard as possible. Uh, so you have, so you feel compelled to buy into premium, which gives you bonus EXP. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the frustration is, uh, so you have to do this like incredible grind already, and I'm getting half the resources premium players are. So it means I'm going like extra slow, and you also get half the EXP and half all these things. And you don't get a private island, which is important because once you get up to T4, which is when the game actually starts opening up, you are at the mercy of public Economics. crafting stations. But the public crafting stations are privately owned. So imagine if you were in World of Warcraft and you go to Iron Forge. And you want to go blacksmith some stuff, level your blacksmithing. There will be four black, uh, like blacksmith anvils over the entire city, and each will be owned by player A, B, C, and D, and each one can set their own fee associated with it. So imagine to smelt one bar of iron, it's going to cost you about a gold piece. Um, and it requires you to make, you know, 16 just so you can make a weapon. And so, you burn through everything. yeah, I I was looking at it and it's like to make a new armor set, I bankrupt make, myself. What if they make a pact to keep everything high? Well, so like, as long as these people don't run out of like the basic fuel resource to keep this station, they can. And so, like, I went into a city today because I was traveling from one section of the world to another, and the prices were like a hundred to two hundred percent tariffs on everything. And I was just like, this is totally unfeasible. And the way to get around it is go premium, you can make your own crafting benches, or join a guild and you can use theirs. Uh, so I joined a guild and they're like, okay, yeah, welcome in. And turns out the basic level uh, people don't get access to their crafting station. So I'm like, well, this is bullshit. Ow. Back to, yeah, I know. Uh, but just, it, it's one of those MMOs that is so based on like free market economics that I'm like kind of losing my, my mind. My least favorite thing about all MMOs. I know oh, that was yeah. what broke, I, that was what broke Diablo two for me. Was I was like, oh, this game's so fun! I like making different character builds and play through all these different difficulties. And oh, time to learn about the SOJ and Rune Market. Yeah, no, I don't want to yep. barter with humans. I want to play a video game. Right, and like, because uh, when you're bartering with humans, or even even some games have like AI that try to build things off of supply and demand. People could, like, flood something one day, and something could be rendered rare another, and you just can't rely on it at all. Yep. I have some interesting background news about something we haven't thought about for a while. What? Okay. Uh, remember we were talking before about the idea of maybe eventually doing a series on Secret World, because it's like a weird, like, alternate approach to... Yeah. MMOs where you kind of like solve the quest sometimes and like you have to read the dialogue oh, yeah. and figure out what's yeah. going on and like it seemed like an interesting fresh take on the genre they've apparently like rebooted the game as Secret World Legends yeah they rebooted it uh, all mushed into one thing and with like slightly better combat and that's happening and... like in a week okay I'd be down 
So actually, yeah, if you wanted to finally check out Secret World in its new form, like uh, we've we've talked about doing Secret World for a while. If you wanted to do that, uh, its new version coming out might be an interesting time to take a look at it. Actually, how huh. long of a game is that though? Because I mean, it's obviously it's lengthy, but yeah. it's it's also. So it doesn't do the World of Warcraft thing where you're uh you're just kind of like going from area to area. There are very distinct quest lines. And I believe it's one of those where you also could I I don't know if there's level level restrictions like there there's no level like a, cap if if I remember correctly. You yeah. can just infinitely keep you keep gaining skill points by leveling basically and then you can just put that into whatever type of class category you want. And I think everyone is technically every class. But yeah. you oh, okay. would want but like you'd want to specialize in things probably or, and stuff like that. It was okay, I, every and, time I hear about it, people tell really cool stories about it the same way that they do about Eve Online, and I never can judge it directly because I don't have a, I haven't really gotten around yeah, to it. That seems like something that would be more interesting to check out than most other MMOs, just because like okay, there's actually like because we were considering it, it can give us stuff doing to talk about. Destiny and other things. Well, Destiny is a, I believe a de- definite for the three of us. Yes. Yeah. Destiny yeah. games aren't even long. You just play through a shooter campaign and go pew pew, yep. and then. And then if you really want to, you can become a raider if you uh, uh, don't value your time. I, I was going to suggest, I know a number of enough YouTubers that we could potentially get a a, yeah. a raid group together for a short period of time. I think that would be enjoyable. Just got to hit them up for a collab. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it would be like Batbeard and people that we've got on hand more actively. What a weird coincidence. Uh, I just randomly felt like Googling this uh, MMO that I haven't thought about forever because you were going on about this MMO for so long. And I'm like, <laughs> weird. It's rebooting like in a week. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. really weird. Well, also, hadn't we been talking about like ESO and other things? And then there no. was... No. Well, we were we were talking about it maybe for the Morrowind thing, but then it also turns out that the expansion pack was kind of lame. So it's oh, like, really? Because yeah. I know that they added like the Ranger class. Oh, yeah. Or- I got another game to recommend to Shell. I talked about like all these mist-like games that I've mentioned oh, that he, she might want to either. Era. Yeah, these games that she might want to either play on her own, just in general, or even record or something like that. Like there was the abduction. There was abduction, of course, and that you guys got around to. But then there was uh, Quern. I mentioned to you, I think, at some point. Oh yeah. And <laughs> then uh, the Room One and Two, and now I'm yeah I'm playing the Eyes of Ara, and that's very much in that feel. Uh, it's a kind of a point and click in that you click to get around but instead of being a fixed camera angle you have a fixed standing position and you can rotate no h at the end he was trying to see if he got any copies of it i I get a lot of games (laughs) yeah i I did get a couple of mislikes this week and i was considering it's spelled a-r-a uh okay if you because he was starting to get gilmore stuff you may enjoy that game. Uh, it's It's got the original Mist sort of click to move around thing, but instead of a fixed camera angle, you physically, like, you can drag the mouse to rotate around in your f- fixed standing position. Right, right. They they introduced that with the second game, and then the third game they had the, you could look up into the sky now. It was weird playing the original Mist for Carl's audience, uh, but it was the newer edition, the real Mist one, because they had day and night cycles and you could yeah. look everywhere i i actually said it to to click to move though because yeah i i know i would get like stuck on random objects and stuff and go places where i shouldn't if i allowed myself to this is obscure but i don't know if you would have found out about it but wander did you hear about the, what happened with the with the uh the game titled T, uh tidwag vietnamad 
No. Wait, what? What? So it, Deed vad vi ne mag? It's what? a game that has its la- it's it has its language uh it's an English game. Like you play it in, okay. you can play it or at least either it's either it's playable in English or it doesn't have language in it or something. I'm not really sure. But the title of the video of the game is Tid vag Tid Nirmand. Uh and I, I just I, it was something I just stumbled upon randomly because it's a recent release and stuff, and I grabbed a key for it while I was at it. And amusingly, their most recent uh, re- update on their page, uh, the Steam updates, it says we have decided to add the English translation of the name in brackets, the store title, <laughs> due to uh, due to low sales. Nice. Now, now the video, uh-huh. now the game on Steam is called Tidvagni Virnimand, and then in parentheses, time waits for nobody. Okay. Because they. It's like that was probably. I mean, it mis- makes sense. It's a bit of a miscalculation to to be like, I'm going to put the entire title in a different language and see how it works uh, out. <laughs> that only works. Developer, if, that only works if you have a one word title because that's just a cool I had word. A developer email me sending me their game that's like six months old, and they're like, "Yeah, due to low sales, we uh we did like an emergency English translation. Can you please cover it?" I'm like, "I'd love to, <laughs> but time." <laughs> Also, old game. Also, what? Emergency English translation. Yeah, and it wasn't good. Like, I was looking at the screenshots. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of spelling errors already. Like, they really just did an emergency machine translation of this. Oh, no. It's a really emergency. And this might interest you on an anime level. As I, uh, Andrew and I have been playing 999. Yeah, I've been interested in 999 for years. It's just time. That game is... um, So... (laughs) It's a visual novel about about Japanese people in an escape room, basically. And boy, oh boy, is it more of a visual novel than anything else. And yeah, I got the impression of the most, from that. One of the most aggravating experiences is being in an escape room, but instead of being able to do stuff yourself, you read a novel about other people trying to solve the escape room. <laughs> uh, and like, so you like, solve the puzzle and you're trying to get them to there's like, a lot of moments of like having straight up solved the puzzle already and knowing the future basically that where we just we feel like clairvoyance half the time in this playthrough when we're just watching idiots slowly stumble through really basic stuff you eventually <laughs> get you eventually get to do these uh first person puzzle segments that straight up control like mist where you're clicking on different parts of the room to, to go and get a special camera angle for that part then interact with stuff in it but like those parts are so brief and the puzzles are so simple and they basically just require basic exploration. But even worse, every time you click on anything, it has the uh, Legend of Zelda syndrome where all things talk. So if you click on a thing and like, I'm going to look at this drawer and like your three people in the room are all talking about this drawer now and this in dialogue that it's happening that you can't not have. <laughs> and like, so it literally everything you interact with in the escape room when you do get to play, is all dialogue every time you click on anything, and sometimes triggers an entire ten-minute conversation that's fully voiced. And I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's a, it's been a trip. I've been very happy that I was I'm doing it with a second person because if I was doing it alone, yeah. I would lose my mind. But we can just laugh at it together when it when it gets frustrating and it's weird quirks. Yeah, but uh, we... despite every, despite all the issues, we still genuinely are like, oh, what's gonna happen though? <laughs> yeah, no, it looked amazing. I played it. I want to say the first half hour uh, on the DS yeah. when it came out originally, but from the from the makers of Danganronpa, yeah, they made the Dangan yeah, series trilogy and the uh, Zero Escape trilogy. Now, it's actually interesting. I remember looking forward to games because of voice acting, but now I find that we, <laughs> we like don't, games that yeah. don't have it, so that we can. I actually it. <laughs> will vet 
uh, games. It's like, does it have voice acting? No. Okay, then I'm going to see if I can do a series on it because Shell and I enjoy voice acting through it. We should probably wrap this up. Anything yeah. last you want to cover? or uh, From what? Sorry? Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, or... I thought you referred to something. No, uh, that was... That's basically what we've been up to lately. Uh, I feel like there's something, but it's probably. I mean, there's a billion better other games. for later. We can talk about Immortal yeah. Planet. And we can talk about some other things, right? And we should probably record discussions about uh, Spider-Man and Castlevania at some point. Yeah, if you want to do a Spider-Man uh, spoiler cast, you mean? yeah. Oh, well, fine. we can talk about Castlevania next week. But if you want to do a Spider-Man spoiler cast in the middle of the week, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, we'll, we can figure out a time for it. Also, we still have D and D tomorrow, right? Yes. Yep. God, and at some point this week, I think I'm going to try to get myself to record a a Mass Effect Andromeda spoiler cast. <laughs> Just all on my lonesome, because I literally don't know a single human being who beat the game, because everyone gave up. Yeah. I, but I, I did, yeah. and I have I still stories get to tell. <laughs> I still get questions being like, are you, gonna, "Are you going to play it anymore?" And I'm like, "Just no. link to my spoiler cast." <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I've actually actively told people go watch Keith's. How much money did you spend on it, though? Sixty bucks. Ugh. Happens like it's the nature of the game. Less than you... sixty bucks, technically. Yeah, because you because you paid for the EA early access thing, which gave you a discount on Mass Effect that was actually bigger than the price of of being an EA yep. early access thing for a month. So like probably oh, like well. fifty five I mean, or something. But yeah, it's still it, big it price sucks, for an unfinished game. Yes. <laughs> were were any of the characters or relationships worth it? Liam. Liam has a good Liam's not really a very well developed character necessarily. He just has a really good loyalty mission that's like high production value and actually is like the most fun mission of the entire game, and it's baffling that the rest of the game can't learn from that mission on how to make the game fun. Uh but PB and Drac are like the only characters that are developed as people. And if you're okay. a, a male character romancing PB, or I guess everyone could probably romance PB if if that's how Asari usually go, then uh, like you get a whole bunch of like very crap. Like there's a very long and and like developed arc of her character and her her loyalty mission builds in, builds on her character. And even like the uh, romance scene is like very carefully animated in a way that's jarring because the game never looks like that. <laughs> And all the way down to having like an Asari, like Liara, like, oh, alternate universe, boom, eyes change color moment, like what happened at the end of Mass Effect 3. Uh, oh. And nothing else in the game comes close to that. It's really bizarre, <laughs> which is unfortunate because a lot of people don't like PB, which should be valid because everyone should be able to uh, gravitate towards different characters. But the game just forgets half the characters exist midway through the game and they just stop developing. That sucks. Like I was, I was pursuing uh, Vetra for a bit because Turians are fun and all that. But like she just stops developing as a character or even having scenes for most of the game. And even her loyalty mm -hmm. mission is more about her sister than her. <laughs> uh, like it's such a I missed. Some of these characters are such a missed opportunity. It's we had uh, planned. We had planned that our character would try to end up with uh, what was his name? J Jill? Gill? No, 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 no. The 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 alien. The new guy. Oh, Jal. Oh. Jal, yes. I, I knew it started with and a J. <laughs> and, uh, but it was just awkward at the beginning. Because it was yep. like, hey, People how are you? People have complained about Jal before because they would, like, 
try a flirt option once and then never again and never show them interest and then clearly be in a relationship with a different character the entire game. But once you do get past Jal's loyalty mission, he shows you his home and he literally takes you to his bedroom at one point, which happens no matter what, uh, romance or not. And for me, as a male character that had not shown no interest in him, I'm like, this is slightly weird. I feel like this could be weird. <laughs> but if you've shown any interest in him at that point, even a single time, then he's it's he straight up like it's clear that he took you to his room to have sex with you. <laughs> and it's like really awkward. Really? And it's like, oh shit, this like escalated so hard. <laughs> we didn't we didn't flirt with anyone. We were just trying to have conversations with the people. Yeah, we never but, got there. But people were like, "Why didn't you flirt with people?" It's like we don't even know these characters yeah, I get, yet. Yeah, I get hate and comments never on will. Persona being like, "Why don't you romance somebody already?" And I'm like, "I'm just trying to be friends." <laughs> Why can't we just have friends? Okay, I'm gonna have to put the brakes <laughs> we gotta, on. Yeah, or we gotta I'm gonna have go. to go eat eat on camera. <laughs> yeah, my stomach's been growling. You guys, next okay. time, send your questions to fournerdsquestions at gmail.com because I still haven't made a new one that makes more sense. And um, we'll hopefully read them when birds actually hear at the end of a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.